With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandsLots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Members of Congress expressed optimism Sunday about the prospects for reaching a deal to avoid the fiscal cliff. Fragile ceasefire between Israel and Hamas is entering its third full day, and both Israelis and Palestinians. Bottom line, Senator, if uh, the president nominates Ambassador Rice to be the next Secretary of State or some other. Supplementary question. Do you personally believe that gay people are born gay? Impact statement tonight, the Talking Points memo. Hot damn politics. 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 I'm back now with the Brain Trust panel. Brain Trust. 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 These niggas won't hold me back. 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 The Brain Trust Panel. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Brain Trust. Hot diggity damn politics. I put that shit on everything. People moving in, people moving in, because of the color of the skin. Run, 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 but you so can't hide. And I for it all, a tooth for a tooth, vote for me, and I'll set you free. Segregation, determination, demonstration, integration, aggravation, diminution, obligation to my nation. Rising past the Beatles, new records of gas. And the only safe place. 
story How the thugs live and worry Duck down and car seats He's mandatory Running from Jake Getting chased Hunger for pace These are the breaks Many mistakes Go down out of state Wait, I had to let it marinate We carry weight Trying to get late Flip the A stack to safe Millionaire plan to keep the gap With the cock camera Making moves in Atlanta Back and forth scrambler Cause you can have all the chips Be poor or rich Still nobody want a nigga Have a shit If I rule the world And everything in it Sky's the limit I push the Q45 Infinite It wouldn't be no such thing As jealousies Or be felony Strictly living longevity To the destiny I thought I'd never see But reality struck Better find out Before your time's out What the fuck If I rule the world Imagine that I free all my Government. I said I'm pro-black They wanted to know the difference I said exactly I want my shit back And prior to that Kidnapped and held for ransom Why? They want my daughters deluded Took them out the public school institution Fuck the pollution They serving books Pale crooks What a malicious and malignant look And fuck your busted paper Use a motherfucking hater I didn't give a fuck That only made TJ an alligator You niggas stay on the first floor I be on the elevator Charging these fucking soon raiders I overstand that it gets greater Later, when you use your mind seeking, you shall find I'm seeking revolution along with economically sound solutions. Why you niggas douching? I'm on my way to transformation. In the meantime, I'm that turner lurking on a plantation. I'm what you forefather fuckers is facing, and I'ma lead a dark army more secretive than Mason. Call me 
champ diesel, I'll leave you tainted. You can self-sustain if you learn the language. I tap into a frequency. Yep. Gave me the power to the sea. Let's hit it. Let me switch this up to George Bush. Get him. him. Illuminati dominate the country. R.I.P. Osama Sass. I don't bump him. Get him. Jungle H5. Yeah, he a clone. Still flying drones. They control his ass by itself. They do. G.O.V. Can D.I.E. A.S.A.P. Wouldn't bother me. Fuck him. Motherfuck George Washington. Know the CIA probably watching me. Fuck him. I wreck tracks and push facts. You niggas fruity like the Chris Pack. Utilize weed. That's the Chris Act. I'm in Birmingham with the Chris Act. Fuck the G.O.V. I'm melanated. Got a black guy. That's me. Jesus. May God save me. Never seen Jesus, seen God daily. If you offended, then come to bait me. When I prove you wrong, then compensate me. I do you wrong, that's the understatement. I'm a brother in the hood, not a mason. Fuck Uncle Sam, that nigga racist, that cracker racist, excuse my language. Fuck Uncle Sam, that nigga racist, that cracker racist, excuse my language. Fuck Uncle Sam, that nigga racist, that cracker racist, excuse my language.
out of mind. Spit them, polish, look how they shine. Glitter, glisten, gloss, gloss. I catch a beat running like Randy Moss. Ride that bitch off like a brand new house. I'm rolling my song, dabbling no mouth. Mommy, I'm coming, I hope you get off. I rock your own boat like a Leah, then talk. Back, back, forth, forth. Get that cellar on course, course. Make that track of course, course. Rap, roll, utterly rock with my mouth to the mic and my hand on my cock. Cadillac, outcast, this won't stop. attempt to adjust your radio. There is nothing wrong. We have taken control as to bring you this special show. We will return it to you as soon as you are grooving. A welcome to station W-E-F-U-N-K, better known as We Funk, or deeper still, the Mothership Connection, home of the extraterrestrial brothers, dealers of funky music, P-Funk, Uncut Funk, The Bomb. Coming to you directly from the Mothership. Top of the chocolate Milky Way, 500,000 kilowatts of P-Funk power. So kick back, dig, while we do it to you in your eardrums. Oh, me? I'm known as Lollipop Man, alias the long-haired sucker. My motto is... I want y'all to do. If you got faults, defects, or shortcomings, you know, like arthritis, rheumatism, or migraines, whatever part of your body it is, I want you to lay it on your radio. Let the vibes flow through. Funk not only moves, it can remove. Dig. 
The desired effect is what you get when you improve your interplanetary functionship. The lollipop man. Chocolate coated freaking habit form. Doing it to you in 3D. So groovy that I dig me. Once upon a time called now. Somebody says is there funk after death? I say it's seven up. <laughs> yeah. surviving the beauty shop. We're not even talking about surviving midday traffic. We're talking about surviving the game. Life is a game played on the biggest stage. The objective is to survive. Kick it with me every Friday night, 9 o'clock Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio.
and that he is alone and has no part. And that all gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the sustainer of all the boundless universes. All gratitude is for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, the generous eternal friend. And send salutations of Allah on all of his prophets and his apostles. And on the Messiah, the anointed one. And on the Mahdi, the God. And on the Mujaddid, the reformer. Which was all sent from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. We send greetings and we send peace throughout the boundless universe to all. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi ta'ala wa barakatuh. The man of the hour, airing seven days a week at 4 p.m. Eastern Standard Time on WGAG Radio. Hey man, hey, hey bro, hey bro, man, hey man, I see you think I let him got that book in your hand, man, written by Dr. Yo, man, where you get that book from, cause, shout out man, I've been on live, I've been on eBay, I've been on Amazon, I've been on some of them goddamn bootleg ass Dr. Yo sites and shit, man, these motherfuckers charging goddamn damn near rent money and a goddamn down payment on a house and shit for some of them Dr. Yo books, man, it's hard as hell to find a goddamn one, then, I went fucked around and went on goddamn, Amazon, they were selling all the tablets and shit for a goddamn, it was a goddamn notebook. It was a goddamn, goddamn holy tablets and a goddamn binder, man. These motherfuckers charge like six, seven, eight hundred dollars for these Dr. York books, man. Hey, man, what can I goddamn get me one of them Dr. York books reasonable, man? You know what I'm talking about? I'm talking about like at least goddamn some of his shit, man. These motherfuckers, man, these motherfuckers really motherfucking charging out the ass, y'all. I need a legit place. Where the fuck can I get... Me some Dr. York books at, man, that I won't motherfucking goddamn go broke over. You feel what I'm saying? Yeah. Does this sound like you? Well, of course it okay. does. Or, matter of fact, it did until you found out about All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia. That's right. All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia. You don't ever have to worry about where is your money. Who can you speak to? All these bogus, fake, bootleg sites that are perpetrating and pretending that they're selling Dr. Malachi's New York book. And even if they did, they're not selling it at an affordable price. Don't go to no one else. No one. No robots, no websites, no none of that. Get all your Dr. Malachi's New York books right here at All Eyes on Egypt. And we're running a sale for the month of September. Till October the 9th on Man from Planet Rich is at $19. The L's Holy Tablets is at $70. Also, let's not forget the Sacred Wisdom of Tahuti. That's in right now. Get it now while you can at $25. So much more. The Right Knowledge Series, the Christ Series, the Mohammedism, the Mosesism, the Christism. We got everything. The Luciferian Conspiracy. Everything's written by Dr. Malachi D. York at a legitimate, affordable price in a legitimate store. Authorized by Dr. Malachi D. York himself. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your money. And enjoy the rest of your life knowing that All Eyes on Egypt in Monticello, Georgia is dependable, trustworthy, and authorized by Dr. Malachi D. York. Why wait? Pick up the phone today. Call 706-468-2319 and speak to a live person. Only at All Eyes on Egypt, Monticello, Georgia. That's all eyes, E-G-I-P-T-G-A dot com. Call us today. All Eyes on Egypt presents the Holy Tablet, backed by popular demand, written and transcribed by 
Dr. Malachi's will dock your L, the receiver. This is the scripture that is divinely inspired that will bring about a long overdue change. Like the phoenix bird rising up out of its ashes. Up, you mighty people, come forth like Lazarus from the tomb. This tablet is food to feed the hunger and to nourish the soul, to give it strength. Rise up, stand up, be counted amongst the people of this world. Be the first to get your copy of the Holy Tablets while supplies last. At all eyes on Egypt, Monticello, Georgia, 706-468-2319. Antioxidants, pure protein, superfood on the planet. Let Greener Green supply you with their raw, organic moringa. Moringa is a super immune booster, providing a powerhouse of minerals and amino acids. Visit Greener Greens on the World Wide Web at www.greener-greens.com and place your order of moringa today. Available in 8 and 16 ounces, along with their many other organic superfoods. Call Greener Greens at 510-479-6406 and place your order of Moringa today. Remember, the greener the leaner, Greener Greens. GHE Radio presents Hot Damn Politics. Please welcome the Brain Trust. The Brain Trust. The brain trust. Get up, 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 get up,
welcome the brain trust, the brain trust. Brain trust, the brain trust. Most people think great God will come from the sky. Take away everything and make a heaven out of your high. But if you know what life is worth, you will look for yours on earth. And now you see the light, you stand up for your eyes. Yeah, get up. Ladies, Miss Black, Nyla, Newbie, Ra, 
Nine, that's what I call you, this newbie raw. <clears throat> newbie raw, nine, Cedar, Ama, I set Royals in the building, Tony J. Ella, 25212, NWRJ11. It's in the building right here in the BTR VIP chat room. What's going on, everybody? Good to see y'all in attendance early. All the people hanging out in the Don Nicolino after party, if you don't know, we always dropped a link for you. We can either hear the last hour of the show if you just strictly want to kick it. Listen to some music, hear some conversation, all those things that go on. There's a 24 hour 365 interactive chat room. You can grab the mic and chop it up. Want to say what's up to Nine Ether hanging out over there. SG, self guided, hanging out over there. 50 and retired. There's the God. Sakim Ra is the God. Like I said, Mushmouth is out there. And Queen, our farmer, is over there too. Queen of Farmer been hanging out for like three days on that computer. I don't know if she's meant to turn it off or not. But enough with that one. We're going to get this thing started. We're going to bring in the one and only, hosted with the mostest. <laughs> yeah, that was corny. We're going to bring in one and only, man. Shy Tow's finest. We're going to bring in Fireliners Rock. Corny here, Fireliners. <laughs> Mike Chet. Mike Chet. You, the host with Chet. the mostest. God damn. <laughs> <laughs> That was said in 1984. Shit. Hey. <laughs> you know, say, say it 84. I'm doing fine. How are you doing now? I'm doing my best. I'm doing my best. No <laughs> doubt about it. Ready for part two? Yeah, we're, yes, we're in part two of Per Don's Request. We're going to go over the appendix again. Okay. And uh, that works for people who. Who missed chapter one And then uh, We will hit chapter two Okay Got it. So since Got it. it took us um, It took us most of the show Last week I guess we should just jump in So uh, J1 has been Very kind to put The the uh, link in here Both yes. in In uh, Blog talk and in the after party, and again, so in case anyone uh, does not have the link, it is www.planetebook, that's one word, planetebook.com forward slash ebook forward slash 1984.pdf. He's okay. dropping it again for all those in there. J1 just dropped it again. Um, let me open up the mic of, of Newbie. I believe Newbie is on the line. I think he's going to be one of our readers tonight. So I'm open up the mic. Can I get a mic check from you, Newbie? Hotep, hotep. Good evening, everyone. Hotep, hotep. How you doing this evening, Newbie? All right, all right. All right, so. Yeah, Peace, so Newbie. So, take it away with the appendix. Unless there's anything else you want to say to the people before you get started. Nope, let's all go to page 376. All right. That's the beginning of the appendix. Okay. Okay. Is, um, do you see Babylon on the line now? Not not yet. I'm sure he'll be in here shortly, though. Both okay. he and Don should probably be in here shortly. Okay, cool. So let's start with okay. the appendix. The Principles of Newspeak. Newspeak was the official language of Oceania, Ocean-ia. 
Ocean, Ocean Mia. Mia. Yeah, you, it's good enough. Ocean Mia. And had been devised to meet the ideological needs of INSOC, or English Socialism. In the year 1984, there was not as yet anyone who used newspeak as his sole means of communication, either in speech or writing. Reading articles in The Times, that's in in, um, quotation marks, so I'm assuming that is a newspaper. The leading articles in The Times were written in it, but this was a tour de force, which could only be carried out by a specialist. That newspeak would have finally superseded old speak, parentheses, or standard English, as we should call it, in parentheses, by the year 2050. In other words, they were going to phase out common English, and only people would be allowed to speak in what is now newspeak. Meanwhile, it gained ground steadily. All party members tending to use newspeak and grammatical constructions more and more in their everyday speech. The version in use in 1984 and embodied in the 9th and 10th editions of the Newspeak Dictionary was a provisional one and contained many superfluous words and archaic formations, which were due to be suppressed later. It is with the final perfected version as embodied in the 11th edition of the dictionary that we are concerned here. The purpose of Newspeak was not only to provide medium of expression for the world view and mental habits proper to the devotees of insight, but to make all other modes of thought impossible. It was intended that when new speak had been adopted once and for all and old speak forgotten, a heretical thought, that is, a thought diverging from the principles of insight, would be literally, um, at least so far as thought is dependent on words. Its vocabulary was so constructed as to give exact and often very subtle expression to every meaning that a party member could properly wish to express while excluding all other meanings and also the possibility of arriving at them by indirect methods. This was done partly by the invention of new words, but chiefly by eliminating undesirable words and by stripping such words as remained of unorthodox meaning, and so far as possible of all secondary meanings, whatever. To give a simple example, the word free still existed in Newspeak, but it could only be used in such statements as this dog is free from life or this field is free from weeds. 
could not be used in its own sense of politically free or intellectually free, since political and intellectual freedom no longer existed, even as concepts, and were therefore of necessary nameless. Necessity nameless. Apart from the suppression of definitely heretical words, reduction of vocabulary was regarded as an end in itself, and no word that could be dispensed with was allowed to survive, designed not to extend, but to diminish the range of thought. And this purpose was indirectly assisted by cutting the choice of words down to a minimum. Newspeak was founded on the English language as we now know it, though many Newspeak sentences, even when not containing newly created words, would be barely intelligible to an English speaker of our own day. Words were divided into three distinct classes known as the A vocabulary, the B vocabulary, so-called compound words, in parentheses, and the C vocabulary. It will be simpler to discuss each class separately, but the grammatical particularities of the language can be dealt with in the section devoted to the A vocabulary, since the same rules held good for all three categories. The A vocabulary. The A vocabulary consisted of the words needed for the business of everyday life. Things as eating, drinking, working, putting on one's clothes, going up and down stairs, riding in vehicles, gardening, cooking, and the like. It was composed almost entirely of words that we already possess. Words like hit, run, dog, tree, sugar, house, field. But in comparison with the present day English vocabulary, their number was extremely small, while their meanings were far more rigidly defined. All ambiguities and shades of meaning had been purged out of them. So far as it could be achieved, a new speak word of this class was simply a staccato sound expressing one clearly understood concept. It would have been quite impossible to use the A vocabulary for literary purposes or for political or philosophical discussion. It was intended only to express simple, purposive thoughts, usually involving concrete objects or physical. The grammar of Newspeak had two outstanding particularities. The first of these was an almost complete interchangeability between different parts of speech. Any word in the language, parentheses, in principle, this applied even to very abstract words such as if or when, in parentheses. 
could be used either as verb, noun, adjective, or adverb. Between the verb and the noun form, when they were of the same root, there was never any variation. This rule of itself involving the destruction of many archaic forms. The word thought, for example, did not exist in Newspeak. Its place was taken by think, which did duty for both noun and verb. No etymological principle was followed here. In some cases, it was the original noun that was chosen for retention. In other cases, the verb, even where a noun and verb of kindred meaning were not etymologically connected, one or other of them was frequently suppressed. There was, for example, no such word as cut its meaning being sufficiently covered by the noun verb knife. Adjectives were formed by adding the suffix F-U-L to the noun verb and adverbs by adding wise, W-I-S-E. For example, speedful meant rapid and speed wise meant quickly. Certain of our present-day adjectives, such as good, strong, big, black, soft, were retained, but their total number was very small. There was little need for them, since almost any adjectival Adjective meaning could be arrived at by adding full, F-U-L, to a noun verb. None of the now existing adverbs were retained except for a very few already ending in wise, W-I-S-E. The wise termination was invariable. The word well, for example, was replaced by good wise. In addition, any word, this again applied in principle to every word in the language, could be negatived by adding this affect un or un, or could be strengthened by the affect plus, or for still greater emphasis, double plus. Thus, for example, uncold meant warm, cold, and double plus cold meant respectively very cold and supertively cold. Also possible, as in present-day English, to modify the meaning of almost any word by prepositional affixes such as ante, A-N-T-E, post, up, down, etc. By such methods, 
it was found possible to bring about an enormous diminution diminution of vocabulary. Given, for instance, the word good, there was no need for such a word as bad, since the required meaning was equally well, indeed better, expressed by ungood. All that was necessary in any case were two words formed a natural pair aside which of them to suppress. Dark, for example, could be replaced by unlight or light by undark according to preference. The second distinguishing mark of new speak grammar was its regularity. Subject to a few exceptions, which are mentioned below, all inflections followed the same rule. Thus, in all verbs, the preterite and the past participle were the same and ended in ed. The preterite of still was stilled. The preterite of think was think it, and so on throughout the language. All such forms as swam, gave, brought, spoke, taken, etc., being abolished. All plurals were made by adding S or ES, as the case might be. The plurals of man, ox, life, were man's, ox's, life's. Comparison of the adjectives was invariably made by adding E-R, E-S-T, parentheses, good, gooder, in parentheses. Irregular forms and the more, most formation being suppressed. The only classes of words that were still allowed to inflect irregularly were the pronouns, the relative, the demonstrative adjectives, and the auxiliary verbs. All of these followed their ancient usage except that whom had been scrapped as unnecessary and the shall, should tenses had been dropped all their uses being covered by will and would. There were also certain irregularities in word formation arising out of the need for rapid and easy speech. A word which was difficult to utter or was liable to be incorrectly heard was held to be ipso facto a bad word. Occasionally, therefore, for the sake of ephony, dual letters were inserted into a word or an archaic formation was retained. But these, but this need made itself felt chiefly by connection with the B vocabulary. Why so great 
and importance was attached to ease of pronunciation will be made clear later in this essay. Okay, so that is the A vocabulary. Now we'll move into the B. B vocabulary consisted, I'm sorry. Let, um, no, I'm sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you. Let me bring it on Babylon, Don. He, he's on the line. I'm bring Bab in before you go. To and what's up, Fireline S? What's up, Neff? Peace, right. Peace, Bab. Good evening. Hey, Don. She hears okay, let's, let's move into B. Let's let's go into okay. the B so we can get done with the appendix. Okay. The B vocabulary consisted of words which had been deliberately constructed for political purposes. Words. That is to say which not only had in every case a political implication, but were intended to impose a desirable mental attitude upon the person using them. Without a full understanding of the principles of NSOC, it was difficult to use these words correctly. In some cases, they could be translated into old speak, even into words taken from the A vocabulary, but this usually demanded a long paragraph and always involved the loss of certain overtones. The B words were a sort of verbal shorthand, often packing whole ranges of ideas into a few syllables and at the same time more accurate and forcible than ordinary language. The B words were in all cases compound words. Parentheses. Compound words such as speak right were, of course, to be found in the A vocabulary. These were merely convenient abbreviations and had no special ideological color, in parentheses. Or more words or portions of words welded together in an easily pronounceable form. The resulting amalgam was always a noun verb and inflected according to the ordinary rules. To take a single example, the word good think, meaning very roughly orthodoxy, or if one choose to regard it as a verb, to think in an orthodox manner, follow, noun verb, good think, past tense and past partible, wise, verbal noun, good thinker. The B words were not constructed on any etymological plan. The words of which they were made up could be any parts of speech and could be placed in any order and mutilated in any way which made them easy to pronounce while indicating their devi deviation. In the word crime think, parentheses, thought crime, in parentheses, for instance, whereas in think poll, parentheses, thought police, in parentheses, it came first. And in the latter word, police had lost its second syllable. 
because of the great difficulty in securing ephony, euphony, euphony, irregular formations were commoner in the B vocabulary than in the A vocabulary. For example, adjective forms of many true, many packs, and many love were respectfully many thoughtful, I'm sorry, many truthful, many peaceful, and many lovely. Let me say that again. For example, the adjective forms of many true, many packs, and many love were respectively many truthful, many peaceful, and many lovely. Simply because truthful and loveful were slightly awkward to pronounce. However, all B words could inflect and all inflected in exactly the same way. Some of the B words had highly subtilized meaning, barely intelligible to anyone who had not mastered the language as a whole. Consider, for example, such a typical sentence from a Times leading article as, Old thinkers unbelly feel in sock. The shortest rendering that one could make of this in old speak would be, those whose ideas were formed before the revolution cannot have a full emotional understanding of the principles of English socialism. This is the crux of Newspeak. So let me give you the whole sentence. If you were reading the newspaper today, this is what the newspaper today would say. Those who ideas were formed before the revolution cannot have a full emotional understanding of the principles of English socialism. In Newspeak, the crux of this is to reduce speaking to the very minimum of words and thus to reduce thought. So they took all of that and changed it into old thinkers, unbelly feel, in sock. Three words. <laughs> but this is not an adequate translation. To begin with, in order to grasp the full meaning of the new speak sentence quoted above, one would have to have a clear idea of what is meant by NSOC. And in addition, only a person thoroughly grounded in NSOC could appreciate the full force of the word belly feel. Applied a blind, enthusiastic acceptance, difficult to imagine today, or of the word old think, which was inextricably mixed up with the idea of wickedness and decadence. But the special function of certain new speak words, of which old think was one, was not so much to express meanings as to destroy them. These words, necessarily few in number, had had their meanings extended 
until they contained within themselves whole batteries of words which, as they were sufficiently covered by a single comprehensive tone, could now be scrapped and forgotten. The greatest difficulty facing the compilers of the New Speak Dictionary was not to invent new words, but having invented them to make sure what they meant, to make sure, that is to say, what ranges of words they canceled by their existence. As we have already seen in the case of the word free, which had once borne a heretical meaning, was sometimes retained for the sake of convenience but only with the undesirable meanings purged out of them. Countless other words such as honor, justice, morality, internationalism, democracy, science, and religion had simply ceased to exist. A few blanket words covered them and in covering them abolished them. All words grouping themselves around the concepts of liberty and equality for existence were contained in the simple, single word, crime think. All words grouping themselves around the concepts of objectivity and rationalism were contained in the single word, exception, would have been dangerous. What was required in a party member was an outlook similar to that of the ancient Hebrew, who knew, without knowing much else, that all nations other than his own worshipped false gods. He did not need to know what those gods were called, that those gods were called Baal, Baal, Osiris, Moloch, Sirach, and the like. Probably, the less he knew about them, the better for his own orthodoxy. He knew Jehovah and the commandments of Jehovah. He knew, therefore, that all gods with other names or other attributes were false gods. In somewhat the same way, the party member knew what con- construct constituted right conduct and in exceedingly vague, generalized terms, he knew what kinds of departure from it were possible. His sexual life, for example, was entirely regulated by the two new speak words, sex crime, sexual immorality, in parentheses, and good sex, parentheses, chastity, in parentheses. Sex crime covered all sexual misdeeds, whatever, patient, adultery, homosexuality, and other perversions, and in addition, normal intercourse practice for its own sake. There was no need to enumerate them separately since they were all equally culpable and in principle all punishable by death. In the C vocabulary were consisted of the words, it might be necessary to give specialized names to certain sexual abbreviations, but the ordinary citizen had no need of them. 
He knew what was meant by good sex. That is to say, normal intercourse between man and wife getting children. And without physical pleasure on the part of the woman, all else was sex crime. In Newspeak, it was seldom possible to follow a heretical thought further than the perception that it was heretical. Beyond that point, the necessary words were non-existent. The vocabulary was ideologically neutral. A great many were euphemisms. Such words, for example, as joy camp, parentheses, forced labor camp, or the ministry of war, meant almost the exact opposite of what they appeared to mean. Some words, on the other hand, displayed a frank and contemptuous understanding of the real nature of Oceana, Oceanic society, who was Prolophies, meaning the rubbishly entertainment and spurless news which the party handed out to the masses. Other words, again, were ambivalent, having the connotation good when applied to the party and bad when applied to its enemies. But in addition, there were great numbers of words which at first sight appeared to be mere abbreviations and which derived their ideological color not from their meaning but from their structure. So far as it can be contrived, everything that had or might have political significance of any kind was fitted into the B vocabulary. The name of every organization or body of people or doctrine or country or institution or public building was invariably cut down into the familiar shape. That is, single, easily pronounced words with the smallest number of syllables that would preserve the original deviation. In the Ministry of Truth, for example, the records department in which Winston Smith worked was called Rectet. The fiction department was called Fightdet. The teleprograms department was called Teledet, and so on. This was not done solely with the object of saving time. Even in the early decades of the 20th century, Telescope words and phrases had been one of the characteristic features of political language, and it had been noticed that the tendency to use abbreviations of this kind was most marked in totalitarian countries, tarian organizations. Examples were such words as Nazi, Gestapo, Cointern, Improsor, agitprop. In the beginning, the practice had been adopted as it were instinctly, but in Newspeak, it was used with a conscious purpose. It was perceived that in thus abbreviating the name, one narrowed and subtly, subtly altered its meaning 
by cutting out most of the associations that would otherwise cling to it. The words Communist International, for instance, call up a composite picture of universal human brotherhood, red flags, barricades, Karl Marx, and the Paris Commune. The word Cointern, on the other hand, suggests merely a tightly knit organization and a well-defined body of doctrine, easily recognized and as limited in purpose as a chair or a table. Cointern is a word that can be uttered almost without taking thought, whereas Communist International is a phrase over which one is obligated to linger at least momentarily. In the same way, the associations called up by a word like many true are fewer and more controllable than those called up by ministry of truth. This accounted not only for the habit of abbreviating whatever possible, but also for the almost exaggerated care that was taken to make every word easily pronounceable. In Newspeak, Ephony, Euphony, <laughs> Euphony outweighed every consideration other than exactitude of meaning. Regularity of grammar was always sacrificed to it when it seemed necessary, and rightly so, since what was required above all for political purposes were short-clipped words of unmistakably, unmistakable meaning which could be uttered rapidly and which roused the minimum of echoes in the speaker's mind. The words of the B vocabulary even gained in force from the fact that nearly all of them were very much alike. Almost invariably, these words, crime, joy camp, in stock, belly feel, think pole, and countless others were words of two or three syllables with the stress distributed equally between the first syllable and the last. The use of them encouraged a gabing, gabbing, gabbingly. The use of them encouraged a gabbingly style of speech, at once staccato and monotonous. And this was exactly what was aimed at. The intention was to make speech, and especially speech on any subject not ideologically neutral, as nearly as possible of everyday life, it was no doubt necessary or sometimes necessary to reflect before speaking. But a party member called upon to make a political or ethical judgment should be able to spray forth the correct opinions as automatically as a machine gun spraying forth bullets. His training fitted him to do this. The language gave him an almost foolproof instrument and the texture of the words with their harsh sound and a certain willful ugliness, which was in accord with the spirit of Ensign, assisted the process still further. So did the fact of having very few words to choose from, 
relative to our own, the noose vocabulary was tiny, and new ways of reducing it were constantly being devised. Noose speak for in, indeed differed from most all other languages in that its vocabulary grew smaller instead of larger every year. Each reduction was a gain, since the smaller the area of choice, the smaller the temptation to take thought. Ultimately, it was hoped to make articulate speech issue from the lyrics without involving the higher brain centers at all. This aim was frankly admitted in the new speak word, duck speak, meaning to quack like a duck. Like various other words in the B vocabulary, duck speak was ambivalent in meaning, provided that the opinions which were quacked out were orthodox ones. It implied nothing but praise, and when the Times referred to one of the orators of the party as a double-plus good duck speaker, was paying a warm and valued compliment. The C vocabulary. The C vocabulary was supplementary to the others and consisted entirely of scientific and technical terms. These resembled the scientific terms in use today and were constructed from the same root, but the usual care was taken to define them rigidly and strip them of undesirable meaning. They followed the same grammatical rules as the words in the other two vocabularies. Very few of the C words had any currency everyday speech or in political speech. Any scientific worker or technician could find all the words he needed in the list devoted to his own speciality, specialty. And he set had more than a smattering of the words occurring in the other list. Only a very few words were common to all lists, and there was no vocabulary expressing the function of science as a habit of mind or a method of thought, irrespective of its particular branches. There was, indeed, no word for science. Any meaning that it could possibly bear already being already sufficiently covered by the word in stock. From the foregoing account, it will be seen that in Newspeak, the expression of opinions above a very low level was well nigh impossible. It was, of course, possible to other, other heresies of a very crude kind, a species of blasphemy. It would have been possible, for example, to say, Big Brother is ungood. But this statement, which to an orthodox ear merely conveyed a self-evident absurdity, could not have been sustained by reasonable argument because the necessary words were not available. Ideas inimical, inimical, inimical to inimical, 
Nimical. Okay. Tamed in a vague, wordless form. It could only be named in very broad terms, which lumped together and condemned whole groups of heresies without defining them in so doing. One could, in fact, only use newspeak for unorthodox purposes by legitimately translating some of the words back into old speak. For example, all mans are equal was a possible new speak sentence, but only in the same sense in which all men are redheaded is a possible old speak sentence. It did not contain a grammatical error, but it expressed a palpable untrue, i.e., all men are of equal size, weight, or strength. The concept of political equality no longer existed, and this secondary meaning had accordingly been purged out of the word equal. In 1984, when old speak was still the normal means of communication, the danger threat theoretically existed that in using new speak words, one might remember their original meaning. In practice, it was not difficult for any person well-grounded in doublespeak to avoid doing this. But within a couple of generations, even the possibility of such a lapse would have vanished. Person growing up with new speak as his sole language would no more know that equal had once had the secondary meaning of politically equal or that free had once meant intellectually free, then, for instance, a person who had never heard of chess would be aware of the secondary meanings attached to queen or and rook. There would be many crimes and errors which it would be beyond his power to commit simply because they were nameless and therefore unimaginable. And it was, was to be foreseen that with the passage of time, the distinguishing characteristics of news come more and more pronounced, their meanings more and more rigid, and the chance of putting them to improper use always diminishing. When old speak had been once and for all superseded, the last link with the past would have been severed. History had already been rewritten, but fragments of the literature of the past survived here and there. Imperfectly censored, and so long as one retained one's knowledge of old speak, it was possible to read them. In the future, fragments, even if they chanced to survive, would be unintellectual, unintellectable, and untranslatable. It was impossible to translate any passage of old speak into new speak unless it either referred to some technical process or some very simple everyday action or was already orthodox, such as good thinkful, would be the new speak expression. 
in tendency that no book written in 1960 could be translated as a whole. Pre-revolutionary literature could only be subjected to ideological translation, that is, alteration in sense as well as language. Take, for example, the well-known passage from the Declaration of we hold these truths to be self-evident, that all men are created equal, that they are endowed by their creator with certain inalienable rights, that among these are life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness, that to secure these rights, governments are instituted among deriving their powers from the consent of the governed, that whenever any form of government becomes destructive of these these ends, it is the right of the people to alter or abolish it and to institute a new government. It would have been quite impossible to render this into new speak while keeping to the sense of the original. The nearest one could come to doing so would be to swallow the whole passage up in the single word, crime think. A full translation could only be an ideological translation whereby Jefferson's words would be changed into a panegyric on absolute government. A good deal of the literature of the past was indeed already being transformed in this way. Considerations of prestige made it desirable to preserve the memory of certain historical figures, while at the same time bringing their achievements into line with the philosophy of insight. Various writers such as Shakespeare, Milton, Swift, Byron, Dickens, and some others were therefore in process of translation had been completed their original writing with all else that survived of the literature of the past would be destroyed. These translations were a slow and difficult business, and it was not expected that they would be finished before the first or second decade of the 21st century. There was also large quantities of merely utilitarian literature indispensable technical hold on a second manuals and the like that had to be treated in the same way. It was chiefly in order to allow time for the preliminary work of translation that the final adoption of Newspeak Great reading Firelines. Wow. <laughs> Thank you, Babylon. Yeah, that was good. We'll go back to it again. That was harder now. <laughs> what you say, Fire? I need to drink about a gallon of water. <laughs> <laughs> Shit. Okay, so now we went over this last week, but do you see anything new in in us reading it again tonight, Babylon or Neff or Newbie or, you know, anybody else? 
you already know, Fire. I want to. I'll say something. I saw something when you read the A, B, and C this time. I kind of simplified it for myself because I said, let me listen intently and see the difference between A, B, and C. Because I wasn't able to read along. I just now got my phone to download the shit. But I noticed that A words are simply affixes. You know what I'm talking about? Like suffix and prefix. Like mm-hmm. unthink and shit like that. So A is basically prefix and affix. And B words are simply compound words or abbreviations like contractions or anagrams. And then so then I noticed that C, C really is a combination of both because you use either one of those words, either be it um, an affix or a compound word, A-R-B, N-C, but the difference between C and A and B is that C moves into the negative. Like, they really cast a spell with C. Like, it's like anything the person say against the goddamn insult is evil. Like, they pretty much turned the science down to one word. The whole scientific community is just one fucking word, insult, insult. So That's I know correct. that. There's no such word as science. Yeah. So I noticed that A was a, was an affix, B was compound words, and C is basically... The fucking spell, one, two, three, is basically just the negative aspects of anything that a person say against the system. Okay, now keep in mind that they have three specific purposes, and that those purposes are smallest number of words go to the A vocabulary, which mm-hmm. is always going to be your everyday people. They're going to use the smallest vocabulary. Then B B vocabulary is designed specifically for the people who work for the government, the the political branch. So they're going to use the A words plus the B words, but the A people will never use the B B words or the C words. Yes. And then the C words are designed explicitly for the scientists and the technicians. Yeah. And they can, they can use the A words and the B words, but they seldom do because it says that they've been given a list of words that they should use, and they very seldom move into the other two branches. So your A people are the very, when they speak, you're really not going to really understand very much of what they say because all of their words have been condensed. So instead of saying something is bad, they're going to say it's ungood. Yeah. Or it's good for. If it's better, if it's good, but it's really good, they'll say it's good for. So good takes the word takes the place of bad. They don't need contrasting words. Instead of saying something is dark, they will say it is unwhite. So they don't need the word dark. They just threw the word dark out. Yeah. And now your B vocabulary is your compound words, crime think, joy camp, 
But everything that those compound words say, the meaning is the opposite. So when they're saying joy camp, they're talking about forced labor camps. But they yeah. use for joy camp. When they say good sex, it means sex that's only appropriate between a husband and a wife for the procreation of children. Anything else is bad sex. Yeah. So when they didn't give examples of the scientific words for the vocabulary C, but it all boils down to whatever it is, is in sock. Yeah, absolutely. Anybody else? Newbie, you got anything to add? I think it's pretty clear. Okay, cool. All right, let's jump into Chapter 2. Chapter 2 begins on page 26. Which page, Fireliners? 26. 26, all right. Okay, Chapter 2, page 26. As he put his hand onto the doorknob, Winston thought that he had left the diary open on the table. Down with the big brother was written all over it. In letters almost big enough to be legible across the room. It was an inconceivably stupid thing to have done, but he realized even in his panic he had not wanted to smudge the creamy paper by shutting the book while the ink was wet. He drew in, he drew in his breath and opened the door. Instantly, a warm wave of relief flowed through him, a colorless, crushed-looking woman with wispy hair and a lined face was standing outside. Oh, comrade, she began in a dreary, whining sort of voice. I thought I heard you come in. Do you think you could come across and have a look at our kitchen sink? It's got blocked up and dash, dash. It was Mrs. Parsons, the wife of a neighbor on the same floor. Mrs. was a word somewhat discountenanced by the party you were supposed to call everyone comrade, but with someone... Some women, one used it instinctively. She was a woman of about 30, but looking much older. One had the impression that there was in the creases of her face. Winston followed her down the passage. These amateur repair jobs were were in almost daily irritation. Victory mansions were old flats built in 1930s or thereabouts and were falling... I think I'm missing a page here. I'm sorry, I think I'm missing a page here. Say again? Book link. Yes. Yeah, the Planet ebook, right? Yeah. Oh, well, my turn to take over then. (laughs) Don't try. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, You always block it. I'm not fucking blocking what you're talking about. <laughs> I think I'm missing a page here because it goes well, to she had a I'm taking over till you find you missing a page, all right, baby. All right, take that page. Take oh, that you're page so down. sweet. <laughs> <laughs> okay, uh, should I pick up where you left off and start at back in chapter two from the beginning? Don, would you like to read? Right. Start on page 27, Don. 
27. I, but I missed page 26. <laughs> oh, man. Because um, can we get a recap of what happened in chapter one first? Because remember, he, he was writing something about goddamn kill, 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 or something. Big brother, big brother, did he had a knock at the door? Okay, you want to rehash chapter one? Yeah, something like that, right? And so, not really rehash everything that happened in chapter one, but just, and, and that's, what, that's what we pick up off at, right? I just want to be clear because, you know, seven days go by fast, and I got abducted two nights in a row. <laughs> Oh, shit. Okay. All right. Well, we are in... Okay, let me do this. Let me do this. Let me do this. Since we're going to do... Uh, um, but ain't that what happened like at the end? At the end, it was somebody banging on the door and shit? Okay, wait a minute, Dawn. Let me put this link in here. I'm sorry, Babylon. I'm going to do... I'm going to put a link in of... Uh, what the world looks like. Oh. Okay, we talked about this briefly. There are three different um, empires. We're oh, let me give it to Babylon. Dynasty. Babylon, I'm about to give it to you. This is good. You're welcome. Oh, the link? Okay, thank you, Don. Uh, so you can look at this. Okay, we're in Oceana. Oceana is your pink. Everything that's in pink. So you see Greenland, Canada, the United States, Central America, South America. And then it moves over to everything below the Congo River in Africa, as well as Madagascar and Australia. And half of um, the New Guinea, half of New Guinea is all Oceana. Okay, so that is the the that is um, oh I, I forgot as well as the British Isles. If you look over at um, England, Wales, Scotland, and Ireland, those are all Oceana. Eurasia is your orange. So that would be France, Germany, Spain, Portugal, Norway, uh, all up into Scandinavia, as well as all of Russia. All of your, um, basically, all of your Slavic countries would be Eurasia. Then your third continent, your third empire would be East Asia, which would be everything that's mongoloid. Now now watch how this shit works. Are you looking at this, Babylon? Um, I'm pulling it up now, but I know exactly what you're talking about because I've seen it before. Okay, they really broke this shit down into who's who on the planet. Yeah. All of China, all of Japan, Vietnam, Korea, all the way over to, um, I would say, approximately Iran, which constitutes 
uh, all these new countries, Kurdistan, all that shit. Okay, all of that is now Asia. Tell me when you get the the damn map, Babylon, because this shit is deep. Now, you got to remember when he wrote this shit, okay? Babylon said he wrote it in the 1930s. He published this in 1948. He literally said there's three groups of people, (laughs) mongoloids, um, now, everything that is in white is disputed. This is where the wars are going on. So if you look at where the wars are going on, it's half, three-quarters of Africa, the Middle East, what they call the Middle East, Syria, um, Egypt, Jordan, Saudi Arabia, all of that shit that's in, 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 in right now on the chessboard, all of that shit that's on the chessboard today is what he's saying is disputed territory. Yep. I totally agree, Father, on this. I noticed that when I saw it. Okay. So that's, that's us. That's the free zone. The Egyptians, the Northern Africans, all of our people, that's the fucking free zone. That's all the free zone. That- that's right. Yeah, all that South African shit, all that Hindu shit to the, to, to the bottom. This book talks about the fact that these three players, Oceania, Eurasia, and East Asia, are fighting wars over this, what they call the disputed territory. Yeah, that's what they're fighting over. Okay. Isn't that some interesting shit? Yeah, yeah, Father Linus, I mean, I, I, I have to say it, though, that that's what I was talking about, the world splitting into three pieces, and those are three pieces, basically the eagle, the dragon, and the fucking bear. That's Russia being the bear, the dragon being China and Asia, and the fucking eagle being the United States, and controlling all that shit. And then they fighting over the free zone that we talked about, and if you look at the free zone or the 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 un the un the unclaimed zone, you will see that's where the waters of the Atlantic run through, through the Persian Gulf, through the Mediterranean, through the Red Sea, back out to the Indian Ocean. Absolutely. That's exactly right. That is exactly right. So that's the water we was talking about. They're gonna be fighting over, and they fighting over that right now. That I tell you, this is right now, as we fucking speak. This is the area that the whole fucking war is in. Now, check out, India is in the disputed territory. All of this area right here, I mean, look at where this shit is. All of this, North Korea, all of this, every place you hear them talk about on the news right now is in this area right here. Yeah. That is his Syria, zone. Syria, Afghanistan. Iran, Iraq, Saudi Arabia, Egypt, That's Libya, right. Algeria, Morocco, Mauritania, Mali, every goddamn thing. The Sudan, every goddamn thing. Exactly. That's our shit. They know the deal. They know they don't run that shit right there, Faith. For real. 
That's some deep shit, that. That's some deep shit. When I found this map, I was like, what? Because, of course, as long as we were, you know, just looking at, listening to the shit, you got to see the map in order for you to be able to visualize this because I'm a visual person. I got to have visual. So as soon as I saw this shit, I was like, oh, man, this, this book, this book, this book right here, this motherfucker right here. I mean, okay. but I mean, I mean, it's succinctly damn near. I mean, it's almost like the perfect. It is. It's like the perfect amount of shit that they fighting over right now. I mean, ain't nothing fucking left out. Not even a drop. I no. mean, the line, the, the slant of the the north line, that north, the the upper line that slanted, cuts right through where goddamn Asia basically is no longer Asia, and that was African shit. That's and at right. the bottom, where the pink at, that second line, it basically cut off right there where the Hindus came and mixed in and fucking invaded in the Australian. And That's I, right. I swear, man, this is the perfect fucking map. If I had to claim my land, that would be it right now, <laughs> other than America. <laughs> <laughs> That's where that the money is right there. Exactly that's where the fucking money is. All in this area right here, niggas talk about resources, 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 all of this shit right here. That's all of it right here. Now, uh, Neff is gone, but Neff, here's your, here's your Iraq and Iran and all this shit right in here. The same yep. shit that they're fighting for right now, all of this right here. Now, if you looked at this map, Okay, I'm not gonna get into this with you, Babylon. But if you if you look at this map, <laughs> you can see exactly where the Anunnaki was. You can see fucking exactly where it fucking was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I mean, I I totally agree, Violana. They were it. Yeah. This area right here, this disputed area right here, has been under attack for millions of years. We're not talking about 6,000 years. We're talking about millions of years. Millions. If the, I mean, the, if, 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 you, if you start, really, though, if you start from Mozambique and Zambia and Zanzibar, all that shit right there, and you come all the way up to Tanzania, and into Kenya, and Uganda, get Uganda and Ethiopia, and go over to Sudan. That whole shit fire line is all the way over to India. You absolutely right. That's the, that's our shit, and that's the Anunnaki shit. That's that's exactly right. That's yeah, exactly that's that's the gold mines that cover the waterways, that cover the Nile, the Tigris, Euphrates River, that cover all of the motherfucking oil reserves, Saudi Arabia, Afghanistan, Iran, Iraq, the natural gas, every fucking thing on the planet as far as resources is right in the part that's ungoddamn claimed. What's the word they're using for it now? Phrase on the, the disputed territory. Disputed territory. That's a better name. Fucking disputed territory. That's right. The disputed territory. That's some shit right there. And you see now, check this out. All of all of this, look at exactly where that where that line is drawn through Africa. That's it. 
the, the yellow from the pink. The bottom line. That's right. That's a big shit right there. Okay, for those who are listening, wait a minute, Babylon. For those who are listening, what you're going to do is you're going to go to Wikimedia, Wikimedia, and you're going to put in the 1984 fictitious world map, V2, quad, Q-U-A-D, dot, S-V-Q, S-V-G. Just put in, um, you can probably find it if you put in 1984 fictitious map in Google. And then you'll get, you'll be able to see exactly what it is we're talking about. Because this shit right here, this, <laughs> Don, you ain't got nothing to say? Come on now, Don. Stop eating noodles. Babylon eat noodles. <coughs> Wash the dishes. <laughs> I'm listening. Okay, you oh, see that right. map? You right, Don. Yes. So what you doing, Babylon? Eating rice. Oh, I knew you eating some. Yeah, I'm done though. I'm ready now for you. Okay, so here's your here's your three different different species, Don, broken up into broken up into exactly the right. different parts of the world that they took over. Here's your mongoloids. Here's your um, caucasoids, and you see that they just moved their shit around a little bit, and they now you got the the. Caucasoids fighting one another, one out of Oceania and the other group out of Eurasia. Yep. And then all of the the Negroids are in Africa, along into this 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 little territory here and moving towards India, going out. So that's your your three different species. Do you see how they got uh, London in pink, though, even though it's on the other side of the fucking world, Fireliner? You but see how true. London belongs to Oceania? But, but and, that's exactly that true. They are part of the America. other group. They're part that's, of that's the other group. They do not, yeah, they, they don't claim that they're part of Eurasia. That's right. That's the United Kingdom with the United right. States right that's there exactly in niggas' face. That is indicative of the way they see the world. And you know, right now, Putin them out of Russia, which is the the the, the orange half, the, the the upper half of Europe, the Putin them, they goddamn claiming that you know those Turkish people and the people in Syria, those they people, they saying those are Russians. Yeah. So that's why they. Try- yeah, that's why they're trying to come down and get that part of the land that's disputed area right there. And um, right. um, what's it called? Um, 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 Israel and yeah. all that shit. Right. That's right. So that's why niggas right need now, that's to go all that territory. They need to reclaim all this territory. Ter- yeah. Because all I that told you, man, They want the Mediterranean Sea, Firelines. They yeah. need the Mediterranean Sea, that's the Great Sea, and they need the goddamn Reed Sea, which is the Red Sea, and they need the motherfucking Persian Gulf and all that the shit right there at the top of Africa that's, in order to goddamn transport. That's exactly right. All of that waterway. Yeah. Yeah. 
Now, the other interesting thing, find out is you see how that shit look like the center of the world, too, don't it? Yes. Like where Africa is, that shit is the middle of the fucking world. Egypt is right in the center. The Great Pyramids is in the center of this fucking map. And anybody who can't see how this shit all fit together at one time is blind. So now yep. <laughs> let's, let's move on, Don. You ready? Okay, so let's recap Chapter 1. This is basically based on the the um, the main character in this book, Winston, is a citizen of Oceana. He lives in London, okay? So now we see the significance of where London is really in present-day uh, Great Britain, United Kingdom, but it is a part of the empire of Oceania. But not only a part, Philana, it's the ruling part of Oceania, as he it's said. It's the ruling part. It's correct. The it's head the of the part. goddamn beast. London. The other, the right other big city in Oceania is New York. Yeah. So understand that Chicago, Denver, L.A., the rest of all of these cities, all that shit has been eliminated into small communities. There's only two big cities in Oceania, London and New York. That's it. Yeah. Um, so he lives in London. He lives in a a society that is currently being um, transformed from what was called the old speak to what is now called new speak or um, and new speak is a abbreviation for English society. Um, okay, so, um, everything has been changed, and there is one doctrine, and that doctrine is under the auspices of someone that they call Big Brother. Big Brother controls everything. So all of your thoughts are controlled, your speech is controlled, everything is controlled, and uh, Winston has a little bit of a um, rebellious nature. He's done something that's a little bit out of the realm for him. He's gone out and purchased in a in a very remote part of town a piece of some some paper and a pen <laughs> and some ink. All of these things are unlawful. And so he knows that there's a little corner of his apartment that he can sit in where the the uh, boob tube can't see him because in this world, your television screen fills your whole front room. And not only are you watching what they're the, – program that they're indoctrinating you with, but they're also watching everything that goes on in your apartment. So his apartment, there's a little corner over to the side away from 
the um the the monitor where he can slide over there with his little piece of paper and his pen and his ink and he can write down some 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 of his thoughts away from the monitor but the whole time that he's doing this he's terrified that the thought police are going to pick up that he's thinking anti-Big Brother thoughts. In his little little um, writings, what he decided, because he, he's so convoluted, he wants to write stuff, but he really doesn't know what to write. And in his little writings, he starts writing down with Big Brother, down with Big Brother. And just as he finishes writing a little a little paragraph about how he really feels, there's a knock on the door. So he, that's the end of chapter one when the knock comes on the door, which is where we pick it up at chapter two because he now believes that it's the thought police because the thought police always come at night and they just yeah. swoop you up. And when they swoop you up and take you away, they literally erase you. There's no more, your name doesn't exist. There is no no place that anybody can ever find you. You're no longer on the registry. You're no longer at your job. Your name has been erased from your job. Just everything about you has disappeared. So that's why he's terrified at who's at the front door. Okay, take it, Don. And on top of that, don't nobody care. <laughs> don't nobody care what? It's um, it's right. Let's just check on Newbie because I don't want to feel like I'm just taking his stuff. He's been waiting all week. He's been practicing his vocals and all that type Damn. of stuff. He's <laughs> <laughs> practicing his speeching in the mirror and shit. So I mean, Newbie, you good? You're not gonna be jealous. You know, we're gonna be still dollars. friends. Did you get your Adobe working? I'm all right. All right. Yeah, I did get it working. Okay, so I you want to take have it? Page twenty-seven. Okay, good. Then I'll continue. Then, as he put his hand right. to the doorknob, Winston saw that he had left the diary open on the table. Down with Big Brother was written all over it in letters almost big enough to be legible across the room. It was an inconceivable, no, it was an inconceivably stupid thing to have done. <clears throat> but he realized even in his panic he had not wanted to smudge the creamy paper by shutting the book while the ink was wet he drew in his breath and opened the door instantly a warm wave of relief flowed through him a colorless crushed looking woman with wispy hair and a lined face was standing outside oh comrade she began in a dreary whining sort of voice voice i thought i heard you come in do you think you could come across and have a look at our kitchen sink. It got blocked up, and it was Miss Parson, the wife of a neighbor on the same floor. Miss, M-R-S, was a word somewhat discountenanced by the party. You were supposed to call everyone comrade, but with some women, one used it instinctively. She was a woman of about 30, but looking much older. One had the impression that there was dust in the creases of her face. <laughs> God damn. 
Winston followed her down the passage. These amateur repair jobs were all were in almost daily irritation. Victory mansions were old flats built in 1930s or thereabouts and were falling to pieces. The plaster flanked constantly from ceilings and walls. The pipes burst in every hard frost. The roof leaked whenever there was snow. The heating system was usually running at half steam when it was not closed down altogether from motives of economy. Repairs, except what you could do for yourself, had to be sanctioned by remote committees, which were liable to hold up even the mending of a window pane for two years. Of course, it's only because Tom isn't home, said Miss Parsons vaguely. The Parsons flat was bigger than Winston's and dingy in a different way. Everything had a battered, trampled-on look, as though the place had just been visited by some large, violent animals. Games, impedimenta, hockey sticks, boxing gloves, a burst of a burst football, a pair of sweaty shorts turned inside out, laid all over the floor. And on the table, there was a litter of dirty dishes and dog-eared exercise books. On the walls were scarlet banners of the Youth League and the Spies and a full-size poster of Big Brother. There was the usual boiled cabbage smell coming to the whole building, but it was shot through by a sharper reek of sweat, which one knew this at the first sniff, though it was hard to say how, was the sweat of some person not present at the moment. In another room, someone with a comb and a piece of toilet paper was trying to keep tune with the military music which was still issuing from the which was still issuing from the screen. It's the children," says Miss Parson, casting a half a, pre, a half apprehensive glance at the door. They haven't been out today, and of course, she had a habit of breaking off her sentence in the middle. In, in the middle, the kitchen sink was full of, was full nearly in the brim with filthy greenish water, which smelt worse than ever of cabbage. Of cabbage, Winston knelt down and examined the angled joint of the pipe. He hated using his hands, and he hated bending down, which was always liable to start him coughing. <laughs> Miss Parson looked on helplessly. Of course, if Tom was home. He'll put it right in, and, and he'll no, no. Of course, if Tom was home, he'll put it right in a moment. She said he loves anything like that. He's ever so good with his hands. Tom is. Parson was Winston's fellow employee at the Ministry of Truth. He was a fattish, fattish, but active man of paralyzing stupidity. Excuse me, honey. Did you say something to me, <laughs> Negro? Nigga? Nigga, is you talking to me, Nigga? Nigga. Then I say paralyzing. Can we proceed? Don't make me whoop your ass, uh, get rid of, I mean, fair line, boo. I, I, ain't, I ain't got a day. I ain't got it all day. <laughs> he was a fat... <laughs> He was a fattish but active man of paralyzing stupidity, a mass of imbecile enthusiasm, one of those completely 
unquestioning, devoted drudges on whom more ever than on the thought police, the stability of the party depended. At 35, he had just been unwillingly evicted from the Youth League, and before graduating into the Youth League, he had managed to stay on it. He had managed to stay on in the spies for a year beyond the statutory age. At the ministry, he was employed in some subordinate post for which intelligence was not required. But on the other hand, he was a leading figure on the sports committee and all the other committees engaged in organizing community hikes, spontaneous demonstrations, saving campaigns, and voluntary activities generally. He would inform hey. you. I said that, down because he's the biggest sellout you ever want to see. My bad. I'm ready. Her husband, ready. right? Yeah, this nigga got down, stayed on the youth league for an extra year. This nigga in charge of organizing everything. He said, basically, this nigga worse than the police. He worse yeah, than the thought yeah police. he worse than the thought police. Yeah, he's filthy. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. He would inform you with quiet pride between whiffs of his pipe that he had put in an appearance at the community center every evening for the past four years. An overpowering smell of sweat, a sort of unconscious testimony to the strenuous of his life, to the strenuousness of his life, followed him about wherever he went. I mean, that nigga stank bad. And even remained behind him after he had gone. <laughs> this Is this Winston telling this part, Firelines, or this is the narrator talking about his ass? No, this is what Winston is thinking. Okay. All right. Have you got a spanner? said Winston, fiddling with the nut on the angle joint. A spanner, said Miss Parson, immediately becoming invertebrate. I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. Perhaps the children, <laughs> there was a trampling of boots and another blast on the comb as the children charged into the living room. Miss Parson brought the spanner. Winston let out the water and disgustingly removed the clot of human hair that had blocked up the pipe. He cleaned his fingers as best, as best he could, in the cold water from the tap, and he went back into the other room. Up with your hands, yelled a savage voice. A handsome, tough-looking boy of nine had popped up from behind the table and was menacing him with a toy automatic pistol, while his small sister, about two years younger, made the same gesture with the fragment of wood. Both of them were dressed in a blue shorts, gray shirts, and red neckerchiefs. Is that, is that how you pronounce it? Neckerchiefs? Yep. Like a handkerchief? Handkerchief? Neckerchief? Neckerchief, yeah. <laughs> okay, so they were dressed in blue shorts, gray shirts, and red neckerchiefs, which were the uniforms of the spies. <laughs> Winston raised his hands above his head but with an uneasy feeling, so vicious was the boy's demeanor that it was not altogether a game. You're a traitor, yelled the boy. You're a thought criminal. You're a Eurasian spy. I'll shoot you. I'll vaporize you. I'll send your ass to the salt mines. Suddenly, they were both leaping around him, shouting, traitor and thought criminal. The little girl in, in, imitating her brother in every movement. 
It was somehow slightly frightening, like the gambling of tiger, tiger cubs, which will soon grow up into man-eaters. There was a sort of calculating ferocity in the boy's eyes. A quiet, a quiet, is that quite or quiet? Quite. Quite. A quite, quite evident, thank you, a quite evident desire to hit or kick Winston and a consciousness of being very nearly big enough to do so. I know how that's, I, I met a little child like that. That motherfucker, was a little midget, wanted to kick my ass, a little three-year-old. Thought he could whip my ass. I know, I've seen that shit. I've seen that look before. It was a good job. It was not a real pistol he was holding, Winston thought. <laughs> Miss Parson's eyes flitted nervously from Winston to the children and back again. In the better light of the living room, he noticed with interest that there actually was dust in the creases of her face. (laughs) They some nasty motherfuckers. They live in filth. (sighs) They don't get so noisy, she said. They're disappointed because... They couldn't go to see the hanging. That's what it is. I'm too busy to take them, and Tom won't be back from work in time. Why can't we go and see the hanging, roared the boy in his huge voice. Want to see the hanging? Want to see the hanging, chanted the little girl, still capering around. Some Eurasian prisoners, guilty of war crimes, were to be hanged in the park that evening. Winston remembered. This happened about once a month and was popular spec- spectacle. Children always clamored to be taken to see it. He took his leave of Miss Parson and made for the door. But he had not gone six steps down the passage when something hit the back of his neck in a, an agonizing, painful blow. Boop. It was as though a red-hot wire had been jabbed into him, fun around, he spun round just in time to see Miss Parson dragging her little badass son <laughs> back into the doorway while the boy pocketed a catapult. Sorry, I had to throw that in there. Badass child. Okay. Back in the flat, he stepped quick. Oh, no, Goldstein bellowed the boy as the door closed on him. But what most struck Winston was the look of helpless fright on the woman's grayish face. Okay, stop, Don. Mm-hmm. You remember who Goldstein is? Yes. Okay, Goldstein is the uh, the nemesis. Right. He's the other, the one that they they have to get everybody to hate. So right. That's why yeah, this little boy yells, Goldstein. Yeah, because that little boy sensed that Winston them goddamn traded, and Winston them starting to like Goldstein a little bit, ain't it? <laughs> like, Keep you traitor. You'll see. You'll see. You fucking crime. You what he say? You fucking thought criminal. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's a crazy show. to kick the shit out of that little motherfucker. Oh, Babylon. Yeah, I would have had to kick his ass down, especially if he hit me. I would have went right back in the office. And the nigga okay. threw, threw, threw a goddamn rock at his head. Boo. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I would have kicked my little motherfucking idiot ass. <laughs> That's funny, though. Back in the flat, he stepped quickly past the telescreen and sat down at the table again, still rubbing his neck. The music from the telescreen had stopped. Instead, a clipped military voice was reading out with a sort of brutal relish 
a description of the armaments of new floating fortress, which had just been anchored between Iceland and the Faroe Islands. With those children, he thought, that wretched woman must lead a life of terror. Another year, two years, and they will be watching her night and day for symptoms of unorthodoxy. Nearly all children nowadays were horrible. What was worst of all was that by means of such organizations as the spies, they were systematically turned into ungovernable little savages. And yet this produced in them no tendency whatsoever to rebel against the, dis- the discipline of the party. On the contrary, they adored the party and everything connected with it. The songs, the processions, the banners, the hiking, the drilling with dummy rifles, the yelling of slogans, the worship of Big Brother, it was all a sort of glorious game to them. All their ferocity was turned outwards against the enemies of the state, against the foreigners, traitors, saboteurs, thought criminals. It was almost normal for people over 30 to be frightened of their own children. And with good reason, for hardly a week passed in which the Times did not carry a paragraph describing how some eavesdropping little sneak child hero was the phrase generally used, had overheard some compromising remarks and denounced his parents to the thought police. That's strong. Yeah. Yeah. What they called call in Germany? The bl- the, the brown shirt. The, the brown shirt. The brown shirt. God damn it. Yeah. That was the real shit. That was the children. That's what Obama is doing with the the. He wanted to yeah. start a youth organization. That's right. A child a child militia, didn't he? Didn't he want to raise yeah. the children to be in some old yeah. coat type shit? Yeah. Well, he didn't say the word militia. He said service. Yeah, that's way different. But they, they damn sure ain't going to be playing service. dominoes and pity pat. Yeah. Yeah. It was basically to be little switches. Yeah. Tell on their parents. He said, that's what he they said have to do. Establishing, he said that we're going to establish the largest civilian police force you ever seen in the United States. That's what he said. Civilian police force. And then I'm when they yard. showed them, they was, they was lined up like the military died. And like, you know those blue jackets where they put the Olympic marks? Like the Olympic symbol on the side, it was about a thousand goddamn children with those Olympic jackets on in a line doing military. Oh my lord! I yep. put mine in that shit then. <laughs> <laughs> Can't beat him, Jordan. You see, he gave you the uniform, hey, man, that but, right? Yeah, he said all them little bad that kid when that the what? Now, well, tell me about the spies again. Why is that? Why is it called the uniform of the spies? That's their organization. Their organization is called the Spies. That ain't bad, Don. That's like the goddamn, the goddamn, what you call it? The interrupters, right? The secret agents, Don. Undercovers. Undercover government agents that yeah, just be said, among he, motherfuckers. He said everybody over 30, damn, they're scared of their damn children. Yeah. They just get like that now, though? Because the children just about say, to say that, that uh, Babylon. you put your hands on me, I'm going to call helpline. I'm I'm I, my mama was scared of me. I called the polls on her plenty of time. Bitch, try me. <laughs> Walking around in a pair of blue shorts, gray shirts, and red neckerchief. 
Yeah, a red <laughs> bandana around they got there. That was the uniform of the Basically looking like the fucking Boy Scouts. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just like the Rock Army look. Just like that with the red and blue. Wow. Incredible. All Good right, shall we continue? Go see the hanging. They want to see that yep. shit. They do it every month for them. That just instills, that instills this blood lust. And the government support that kind of goddamn behavior that the little boy doing. That's what Winston really saying. Like, the children that act like that, they really got down cherished by the government because you can't really hit them because they'll just say that I wanted to go to the fucking hanging. This bitch ain't want to go to the fucking hanging. <clears throat> It reminds me of the, uh, of the dome. Remember, they had everybody there. They even had their children there when they were ready to hang, whatever that nigga named, Barbie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You have to, you have to, the same thing they did on the plantation. You have to be able to see this in order for you to, first you desensitize them, and then they become, they become wrapped up into the bloodlust of it all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kill. Oh, wow. All right. The sting of the catapult bullet had worn off. He picked up his pen half-heartedly, wondering whether he could find something more to write in the diary. Suddenly, he began thinking of O'Brien again. Years ago, how long was it? Seven years, it must be. He had dreamed that he was walking through a pitch-dark room and somebody sitting to one side of room of him and someone sitting to one side of him had said as he passed we shall meet in the place where there is no darkness it was said very quietly almost casually a statement not a command he had walked on without pausing what was curious was that at the time in the dream the words had not made much impression on him it was only later and by degrees that they had seemed to take on significance. He could not now remember he could not now remember whether it was before or having the dream that he had seen O'Brien for the first time, nor could he remember when he had first identified the voice as O'Brien's. But at any rate, the identification existed. It was O'Brien who had spoken to him out of the dark. Winston had never been able to feel sure. I'm sorry, yeah, to feel sure. Even after this morning's flash of the eyes, it was still impossible impossible to be sure whether O'Brien was a friend or a enemy. Nor did it even seem to matter greatly. There was a link of understanding between them, more important than affection or partisanship. We shall meet in the place where there is no darkness, he had said. Winston did not know what it meant, only that in some way or another it would come true. The voice from the telescreen paused, a trumpet call, clear and beautiful, floated into the stagnant air. The voice continued rasp <laughs> Attention, your attention please. A news flash has this moment arrived from Malabar Front. Our forces in South India have won a glorious victory. 
I am authorized to say that the action we are now reporting may well bring the war within measurable distance of its end. Here is the news flash. Bad news coming, thought Winston, and sure enough, following a gory description of the annihilation of a Eurasian army with stupendous figures of killed and prisoners came the announcement that, as from next week, the chocolate ration would be reduced from 30 Grammys to 20. Is that is that their money? Is that money? Grammys? Oh, that's grams true. or twenty grams, probably grams. Grams. Uh, twenty grams of chocolate, thirty grams of chocolate be reduced to twenty. Right. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Thank you. They said about for them winning some shit. <laughs> oh, okay. So they say, oh, okay. So hey, chocolate be reduced to twenty grams. <sighs> Winston belched again. The gin was wearing off leaving a deflated feeling. The telescreen, perhaps, to celebrate the victory, perhaps to drown the memory of the lost chocolate crash into, oh, oh, what's that shit is? Oceania. Oceana. Tis for thee. You were supposed to stand to attention. However, in his present position, he was invisible. Oceana, tis for thee, gave way to lighter music. Winston walked over to the window, keeping his back to the telescreen. The day was still cold and clear. Somewhere far away, a rocket bomb exploded with a dull, reverberating roar. About 20 or 30 of them a week were falling on London at present. Down in the street, the wind flapped the torn poster to and fro, and the word "insock" fitfully appeared and vanished. Insock. The sacred principles of Ensoc, newspeak, doublethink, the mutability of the past. He felt as though he were wandering in the forest of the sea bottom, lost in a monstrous world where he himself was the monster. He was alone. The past, the, the past was dead. The future was unimaginable. What certainty had he that a single human creature now living was on his side? In what way of knowing that the dominion of the party would not endure forever? Like an answer, the three slogans of the white face of Ministry of Truth came back to him. War is peace. Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. He took a 25-cent piece out of his pocket. There, too, in tiny, clear lettering, the same slogans were inscribed. And on the other face of the coin in the head of Big Brother, the head of Big Brother, even from the coin, the eyes pursued you. Wow. On coins, on stamps, on the cover of books, on banners, on posters, and on the wrappings of cigarette packet everywhere. Always the eyes watching you and the voice enveloping you. Asleep or awake, working or eating, indoors or outdoors, in the bath or in bed, no escape. Nothing was your own except the few cubic centimeters inside your skull. Damn. The sun had shifted around, and the mired windows of the Ministry of Truth, with the light no longer shining on them, looked grim. Grime. Is it grim or grime? I think it's grim. Grim. Okay. Looked grim as the loopholes of a fortress. His heart 
quailed before the enormous pyramidal, pyramidal shape. I'm sorry. His heart quailed before the enormous pyramidal shape. It was too strong. It could not be strong. It could not be stormed. A thousand rocket bombs would not batter it down. He wondered again for whom he was writing the diary. For the future? For the past? For an age that might be imaginary? And in front of him, there lay not death, but annihilation. The diary would be reduced to ashes and himself to vapor. Only the thought police would read what he had written before they wipe it out of existence and out of memory. How could you make appeal to the future when not a trace of you, not even an anonymous word scribbled on a piece of paper, could physically survive? The telescreen hmm. struck 14. He must leave in 10 minutes. He had to be back at work by 14.30. Curiously, the chiming of the hour seemed to have put new heart into him. He was a lonely ghost, a truth that nobody would ever hear. But so long as he uttered it in some obscure way, the continuity was not broken. It was not by making yourself heard, but by staying sane that you carried on the human heritage. He went back to the table, dipped his pen, and wrote, To the future, or to the past, to a time when thought is free, when men are different from one another and do not live alone, to a time when truth exists and what is done cannot be undone, from the age of uninformity, uniformity, Sorry, from the age of uniformity, from the age of solitude, from the age of Big Brother, from the age of double think greetings. He was already dead, he reflected. It seemed to him that it was only now, when he had begun to be able to formulate his thoughts, that he had taken the decisive step. The consequences of every act are included in the act itself, he wrote. Thought crimes does not entail death. Thought crime is death. Now he had recognized himself as a dead man. It became important to stay alive as long as possible. Two fingers of his right hand were ink-stained. It was exactly the kind of detail that might betray you. Some nosing zealot, zealot, zealot in the ministry, a woman probably, Someone like the little sandy-haired woman or the dark-haired girl from the fiction department might start wondering why he had been writing during the lunch interval, why he had used an old-fashioned pen, what he had been writing, and then drop the hint in the appropriate quarter. He went to the bathroom and carefully scrubbed the ink away with the gritty dark brown soap which, which rasped your skin like sandpaper and was therefore well adapted for this purpose. He put the diary away in the drawer. It was quite useless to think of hiding it, but he could at least make sure whether or not its existence had been discovered. A hair laid across the page ends was too obvious. With the tips of his finger, he picked up an identifiable grain of whitish dust and, and deposited it on the corner of the cover, where it was bound to be shaken off if the book was moved. <laughs> That's smart. That's the end of Chapter 2. You want to continue Chapter 3, Don? Certainly. Y'all game? 
Yeah. Yeah. All right, chapter three. Hey, Winston hey, was dreaming hey, of his mother. Huh? I was just gonna say one thing to Fireliners. Fireliners notice in this chapter two his back still turned to the goddamn TV. This nigga scared as hell. He even feel like the money watches him. The eyes on the money made to follow people if they look at it. And I see that all the time with the dollar bill, George Washington. I think okay, what does that about. mean, Babylon? Do you feel George Washington's eyes are, are watching you? Is that what you're saying? No, I'm saying it's like the picture of Dr. York. You could draw a picture. You see it sometimes on cartoons and shit, where if you look at the picture this way, it looked like it's looking at you. You even walk to the right no of the picture. No matter where you put the picture, you ain't even got yeah, to see in front like of it. Picture. You could be standing right next to it, and that fucking eye is still looking at you sideways. Absolutely, sir. <laughs> 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 you still see that motherfucker. They be showing that yeah, shit in a lot of them little haunted house. Man, when you say cartoons, yeah, you just might as well just go straight to Scooby-Doo and them motherfuckers, because that's how they be showing that shit. <laughs> Like, look at a $100 bill file out there to look at goddamn Ben Frank. The way his head turned, he can, it's like he looking left and right at the same time. Like, you can't really goddamn avoid. If you hang it on the wall, you can't really avoid the look. Oh, okay. Okay. But that's, yeah. that's just some funny shit, though. Yeah. But the fact the that he said... The whole purpose of this empire is to make people live in fear. Constantly. Constantly. Yeah. Even if there's nothing for them to be afraid of, they still have to be afraid because at any moment somebody will drop a dime on your ass and that's yep. all it will take that the thought police will come in and get you. And to think that they come in the middle of the night, how terrifying is that? Yeah. Minority report, mm-hmm. how they bust in on that nigga. Right. Yeah. And, this and there's another one, too. Like there's one that, um, what's the name? We was reading um, 1984 last week. Self guy gave me a movie. It's called Brazil. And that's how that shit is in Brazil. This same shit right here. We're talking about, if you watch this, it's on, um, oh, shit. Oh, fuck, I don't remember. I don't even remember where I even found it at. But it's online, the movie Brazil. Yeah, I saw that. That's the one with um, the actor who played in Adam's Family. The one who, that they lock up in prison. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That's the thing, thing. it. Yeah, that's him. Yeah, but they call oh, okay. up the whole goddamn house on your ass, snatching you up. Yeah. That's a totalitarian government. That's an excellent portrayal of a yeah. totalitarian government. Um, it, the best best analogy is Stalin. Stalin in in Russia, that's the way he did his shit. He'd come in, tear up your whole fucking village until somebody gave your ass up if if they was hiding you. Yeah, absolutely. Most of Who is that? Is that Mussolini? Yeah, I said Mussolini. Oh, okay. How he did in Italy and how he had the motherfuckers scared to come outside and how he was killing everybody that he even thought had an inkling in their fucking mind of coming up against his goddamn regime. Yeah. That's why, um, well, we deviating, but that that's why the Catholic Church went so deep in uh, 
supporting Mussolini because he he, he threatened to come in and tear up their churches. Yeah, a lot of people don't know this. He was acting on behalf of Hitler. And to tie this into what you're talking about, Don, boys from Brazil, all about Hitler. No, it's a movie called Brazil. It ain't about I Hitler. Know. I know. That's what I thought I he was talking about, though, when he kept saying, watch this movie Brazil. And me and F kept saying, you talking about the boys from Brazil? So I was like, no, dumb bitches, Brazil. I know the fuck I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, no, I, 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 I see that. I see that. Yeah, it's, it's it kind of funny. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's that funny, line. but it's, it. it's, yeah, yeah, it got, it got all this shit that, I'm, that I'm reading I'll in this it. motherfucker. Okay. I'll look it up then, Don. Yeah, I'll give you a link, honey. I'm going to go find it again Please. for you. I, I fell asleep on the shit, but, you know. It is something to watch. Okay. All right, we're in Chapter 3, just for the heads up. Winston was dreaming of his mother. He must, he thought, have been 10 or 11 years old when his mother had disappeared. She was a tall statue. What's the word, Babylon? Statuesque. Statuesque. She was a tall statuesque rather silent woman with slow movements and magnificent fair hair. His father he remembered more vaguely as dark and thin, dressed always in neat, dark clothes. Winston remembered especially the very thin soles of his father's shoes and wearing spectacles. The two of them must evidently have been swallowed up in one of the first great purges of the 50s. At this moment, his mother was sitting in some place deep down beneath him with his young sister in her arms. He did not remember his sister at all, except as a tiny, feeble baby, always silent, with large, watchful eyes. Both of them were looking up at him. They were down in some, sub- in su- and they was down in some subterranean place, the bottom of a well, for instance, or a very deep grave, but it was a place which, already far below him, was itself moving downwards. They were in the saloon of a sinking ship, looking up at him through the darkening water. There was still air in the saloon. They could still see him and he them, but all the while they were sinking down, down into the green waters, which in another moment must hid them from sight forever. He was out in the light and air. He was out in the light and air while they were being sucked down to death. And they were down there because he was up here. He knew it, and they knew it, and he could see the knowledge in their faces. There was no reapproach. There was no reproach either in their faces or in their hearts, only the knowledge that they must die in order that he might remain alive and that this was part of of the unavoidable order of things. Unavoidable order of things. He could not remember what happened, but he knew in his dream that in some way the lives of his mother and his sister had been sacrificed to his own. It was one of those dreams which, while retaining the characteristic dream scenery, are a continuation of one's intellectual life and in which one becomes aware of facts and ideas which still seem new and valuable after one is awake. The thing that now suddenly struck Winston was that his mother's death 
nearly 30 years ago had been tragic and sorrowful in a way that was no longer possible. Tragedy, he perceived, belonged to the ancient time, to a time when there was still privacy, love, and friendship, and when the members of a family stood by one another without needing to know the reason. Mm. His mother's memory tore at his heart because she had died loving him when he was too young and selfish to love her in return, and because somehow he did not remember how she had sacrificed herself to a conception of loyalty that was private and unalterable. Such things, he saw, could not happen today. Today there were fear, hatred, and pain, but no dignity of emotion, no deep or complex sorrows. All this he seemed to see in the large eyes of his mother and his sister, looking up at him through the green waters, hundreds of fathoms down and still sinking. Suddenly he was standing on short, springy turf on a summer evening when the slanting rays of the sun gilded, galded the ground. The landscape that he was looking at recurred so often in his dreams that he was never fully certain whether or not he had seen it in the real world. In his waking thoughts, he called it the golden country. It was an old rabbit-bitten pasture with a foot track wandering across it and a molehill here and there. In the ragged, in the ragged edge on the opposite side of the field, the boughs of the am trees were swaying very faintly in the breeze, their leaves just stirring in dense masses like women's hair. Somewhere near at hand, though out of sight, there was clear, slow-moving stream where dace were swimming in the pools under the willow trees. The girl with dark hair was coming towards them across the field. With what seemed a single moment, she tore off her clothes and flung them disdainfully aside. Her body was white and smooth, but it aroused no desire in him. Indeed, he barely looked at it. What overwhelmed him in that instant was admiration for the gesture with which she had thrown her clothes aside. With this grace and carelessness, it seemed to annihilate a whole culture, a whole system of thought as though Big Brother and the party and the thought police could all be swept into nothingness by a single splendid movement of the arm. That, too, was a gesture belonging to the ancient time. Winston woke up with the word Shakespeare on his lips. The screen was given forth an ear-splitting whistle, which continued on the same note for 30 seconds. It was not 7.15, Getting up time for office workers. Winston wrenched his body off. Nope. Winston wrenched his body out of bed, naked, for a member of the outer party received only 3,000 clothing coupons annually, and a suit of pajamas was 600, and seized a dingy singlet and a pair of shorts that were lying across a chair. The physical jerks would begin in three minutes. The next moment, he was doubled up by a violent coughing fit, which nearly always attacked him soon after waking up. It emptied his lungs so completely that he could only begin breathing again by laying on his back and taking a series of deep gasps. His veins had swelled with the effort of the cough, and the varicose ulcer had start itching. Thirty to forty group, yap a piercing female voice. 
30 to 40 group. Take your places, please. 30s to 40s. Winston sprang to attention in front of the telescreen, upon which the image of a youngish woman, scrawny but muscular, dressed in a tunic and gym shoes, had already appeared. Arms bending and stretching, she raped out, wrapped out. Is that raped or wrapped? She wrapped out. Take your time by me. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. Come on, comrades. Put a bit of life into it. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, four. The pain of the coughing fit had not quite driven out of Winston's mind the impression made by his dream, and the rhythmic movements of the exercise restored it somewhat. He had mechanically shot his arms back and forth, wearing on his face the look of grim enjoyment, which was considered proper during the physical jerks. He was struggling to think his way back into the dim period of his early childhood. It was extraordinarily difficult. Beyond the late 50s, everything faded. When there were no external records, when there were, when, when there were no external, external records that you could refer to, even the outline of your own life lost its sharpness. You remembered huge events which had quite probably not happened. You remember the detail of incidents without being able to recapture their atmosphere. And there were long blank periods to which you could assign nothing. Everything had been different then. Even the names of countries and their shapes on the map had been different. Airstrips 1, for instance, had not been so-called in those days. It had been called England or Britain. Though London, he felt fairly certain, had always been called London. Winston could not definitely remember a time when his country had not been at war, but it was evident that there had been a fairly long interval of peace during his childhood because one of his early memories was on an air raid which appeared to take everyone by surprise. Perhaps it was the time when the atomic bomb had fallen on Colchester. He did not remember the raid itself, but he did remember his father's hand clutching his own as they hurried down, down into some place deep in the earth, round and around a spiral staircase which rang under his feet and which finally so wearied his legs that he began whimpering and they had to stop and rest. His mother, in her slow, dreamy way, was following a long way behind them. She was carrying his baby sister, or perhaps it was only a bundle of blankets that she was carrying. He was not certain whether his sister had been born then. Finally, they had emerged into a noisy, crowded place, which had been realized to be a tube station. There were people sitting all over the stone flag floor, and other people, packed tightly together, were sitting on metal bunks, one above the other. Winston and his mother and father found themselves a place on the floor, and near them an old man and an old woman were sitting side by side on a bunk. The old man had a decent dark suit and a black cloth cap pushed back from very white hair. His face was scarlet and his eyes were blue and full of tears. He reeked of gin. It seemed to breathe out of his skin in the place of sweat, and one could have fancied that the tears welling from his eyes were pure gin. But though slightly drunk, 
he was also suffering under some grief that was genuine and unbearable. In his childish way, Winston grasped that some terrible thing, something that was beyond forgiveness and could never be remedied, had just happened. It also seemed to him that he knew what it was, someone whom the old man loved, a little granddaughter perhaps, had been killed. Every few minutes, the old man kept repeating, We didn't alter as trusted him. I said so, ma, didn't I? That's what comes of trusting him. I said so all along. We didn't alter as trusted the buggers. But which buggers did, did, but which buggers they didn't alter have trusted? Winston could not remember. Since about that time, war had been literally continuous through strictly speaking it had not always been the same war for several months during his childhood there had been confused street fighting in london itself some of which he remembered vividly but to trace out the history of the whole period to say who was fighting whom at any given moment would have been utterly impossible since no written record and no spoken word ever made mention of any other alignment than the existing one. At this moment, for an example, in 1984, if it was 1984, Oshina was at war with Eurasia and in alliance with East Asia. In no public or private utterance was it ever admitted that the three powers had at any time been grouped along different lines. Actually, as Winston well knew, it was only four years since Oceania had been at war with East Asia and in alliance with Eurasia. But that was merely a piece of furtive, furtive knowledge which he happened to possess because his memory was not satisfactorily under control. Officially, the change of partners had never happened. Oshina was at war with Eurasia. Therefore, Oshina has, had always been at war with Eurasia. The enemy of the moment always represented absolute evil, and it followed that in and then followed that any past or future agreement with him was possible. The frightening thing, he reflected for the 10,000th time as he forced his shoulders painfully backward with hands on hips. They were gyrating their bodies from the waist, an exercise that was supposed to be good for the back muscles. The frightening thing was that it might all be true. If the party could thrust its hand into the past and say of this or that event, it never happened. That surely was more terrifying than mere torture and death. I understand why that would be more terrifying. The party said that Oceana had never been in alliance with Eurasia. He, Winston Smith, knew that Oceania, Oceania, how the fuck you say this damn country? Oceania? Oceania. 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 Okay. He went, thank you, Firelinus. He, Winston Smith, knew that Oceania had been in alliance with Eurasia as short a time as four years ago. But where did that knowledge exist? Only in his own consciousness, which in any case 
must soon be annihilated. And if all others accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Boom! Ain't that the truth? That's a powerful part right there. Always. Oh, my God. Did y'all just hear that shit? Tell us if you Man, that was a sleeper right there. Basically, let me go back up because he talks. He, now, this is him saying if this shit was a fucking lie, it's worse than death. If everything these motherfuckers been lying to the masses about, even Jay one time I read it again. Yeah, where the fuck were y'all niggas at? If everything that the government has been telling people about, and Winston is reflecting on what if it was all a lie, and if it was all a lie, then goddammit, that shit is worse than death to realize that you've been fucking lied to the whole goddamn time. He said it's painful. <laughs> okay, so now I'm going to go back. I'm on. Uh, I'm going to go back to 2037, J1, where it says the party said that Oceana. He said it was more terrifying than torture and death if you if it all happened to be a fucking lie. Because <laughs> the truth hey, hurts I, like I, a motherfucker. And all the only reason why the truth hurts because you've been believing a lie the whole time, so that's why like, that shit will hurt worse than death. <laughs> the truth ain't no joke, but that should have killed you. Yeah. It seemed, though, like they kind of doing what they doing now because I actually heard a dude talk, teaching on this, a cracker at that saying that he feel like one of the main populations they're trying to wipe out is the older generation because they'll be less likely to accept this new paradigm that the new government's trying to bring yeah, in. Yeah, because, you know, the it's older generation, let's take um, um, Fireliners, um, Brother Hakeem, and, and Ali for a moment. The, these are the older generations that know every fucking thing that happened. So to get Thank them out the way... They could tell us, well, not us, because now they done told us. See what I'm saying? See, they're, yep. you know, so the fireline done told us, and I tell my children everything fireliners and everybody. Say. So they could wipe, you know, they have to wipe out somebody who don't fucking completely know, and that'll be the, everybody that's outside WJG Radio. Yeah, absolutely. Because we know and we tell our children, you tell your baby because your son right there listening to shit. So it's like, it's kind of like that. Like, so that's why the masses are fucking sleep and they don't remember a goddamn thing. Even Winston is trying to remember, but it's hard for him to even fucking remember. (laughs) He can't remember, Don, because he has no one to talk to. So uh, you, right. you, to help. You, yes, thank you. If you yes. are isolated, if you are isolated, after a certain amount of time of hearing the lie over and over and over and over, you start to question your own truth. Yes. You start to question the truth. Yeah. Yes. Yes. This is a strong part right here. This shit here just made me want to cry because it is so fucking, oh, my God, it's the truth. Okay, yeah, J1, yeah. I'm at the, the party said on, I think this is page 37. Oh, no, 44, I'm sorry. 44, the party said. Now, listen to it closely because now this is where we at. The party said that Oshina had never been in alliance with Eurasia. He, Winston Smith, he, Winston Smith, knew that Oceana had been in alliance with Eurasia as short as times as four years ago. But where did that knowledge exist? That's like, where's your proof, Babylon? 
Because these motherfuckers is there. Don't fucking have they, they, they have no point of reference. <laughs> I want a primary source. I want a primary <laughs> source. Absolutely. <laughs> Give me a reference, motherfucker. Where I can research that shit at? Because <laughs> they ain't got no memory gland. It's gone. Five minutes yeah. remaining for hot damn politics, so call in to Skype in to hear the next hour of the show, 347-884-9239, or you can click on the link that La Bella Vita dropped in the chat room. That'll get you to the after party. I just want to say a special shout-out to Khan. What's good with you, Khan? It's good to see you, honey. Icon. Or oh, one con. Is that a, yeah, one con. How you doing, honey? It's good to see you. Okay. Hey, John, um, it, was, it, was, it was two words I heard what you read earlier. I just want to point them out. He said that she rapped out when she was saying one, two, three, that shit right there. She rapped the it out. Yeah, one, two, yeah. three, four, and one, but, two. But the word three. rap, the word rap is what I'm focused on. And then he even came after that and mentioned spoken word. In a book this old, the word yeah, rap, rap and spoken word, yeah. Spoken word is in a book this fucking old. How old is the girl? He, he was like 48. Yeah, because she was rapping, she was like, one, two, three, four. <laughs> yeah. Now, you understand that this is the exercise for people between 30 and 40 years old. Yeah. So in, in somebody else's house, if they're between 20 and 30, there's another exercise yeah. with a different person coming on at the same fucking time. If yeah. you're between 30 and 60, in your house, there's another exercise coming on with somebody different at the same time. That's how deep they are in whose house they're broadcasting in. Yeah. Total indoctrination. Mm-hmm. But, Don, at the beginning of the book in Chapter 1, Carolina, don't forget now, just for the record, the date they gave is the fourth month, the fourth day of 1944. April 4th. 1944. Right. Okay, we got 90 seconds, y'all. We're about to go into overtime. So I'll just, y'all can sum it up a little bit, and I'll take it back from here. But I'll wait until 90 seconds, because the bitch always come in and break me up when I talk. So I'll wait until we go into overtime. Okay. Yes, I have said this on your show many times, Dawn, that the people's memory bank has been reduced to three years. Wow. (laughs) I agree. Damn. So if you talk to somebody, they can give you vivid memories up until about 2009. Anything beyond 2009, the average motherfucker can't remember. That's deep shit, Fire Lioness. I agree. And I know it's the truth because you gave the number three. And that's that motherfucking spell number. Three years, that's they fucking top. That's I right. I some, some of this shit, man, Dr. York was trying to prove it a long time ago. Like, even when you was reading the introduction, I was laughing because I thought it just so much shit he was trying to tell us. But, like, he, he told us this one time. He said, you don't even know your favorite song. Exactly. Name your favorite song. <laughs> Who you asking? 
fine line. Anybody. Anybody. Boy, you asked me that shit the other day. She said, Mom, what was your favorite song when you was younger? I said, bitch, my own songs. She said, Mom, who was your favorite singer? I said, Mom, me, motherfucker. I was my own. I was my favorite singer. God damn it. I ain't had no fucking favorites. I ain't live like you fucking humans. That's what I told her. I ain't had no fucking shit like that. She said, who did you admire? She had to write a test of writing fucking whatever on, you know, some shit you admire, a person you admire and shit. She said, did you ever admire anybody in celebrity view? I said, hell fucking no. I admire my goddamn self. I don't, uh uh-uh. But in a sense, though, if my mom didn't remind me of a few things, I wasn't able to tell Warrior. Because my mom started telling me a lot about me in my younger age that I didn't know. You know what I'm saying? So I was telling yeah. Warrior, you know, she said, well, did you ever go see any celebrities when you was younger? I said, my, I said, Janet Jackson. I said, my mama told me a couple of years ago that I was like eight or nine years old. Janet Jackson was at uh, Greenbrier Mall and signing autographs. And my mama told me that I told her that I want to give her my autograph. I ain't want her. So I gave her my autograph. Yeah, right. It's just shit like that. That's my mom told me that like a couple of years ago. Yeah, but I, see, I, I you don't remember point, that shit, yeah. You see, you have to have people in your life yep. who you have a history with. You yes. have to have people that you can have, you can go back and have common memories with. Yep. I, I'll give you an example. I met my sister when I was 42. 42 mm-hmm. years old, I met a sister, okay? Mm-hmm. Me and her have no common memories. Mm-hmm. So, therefore, there is no connection between me and her. No mm. matter how much I try to build some type of relationship with her, I mm. have no com- memories with her. And she don't either. And she has none with me, so we did not have a connection. Whereas I, my oldest girlfriend, my oldest, my closest friend, she and I met each other when we were four. She and I can sit down and talk about anything at any time because we mm. have memories. And when shit goes bad for one of other one, reminds the other who the fuck they are. You understand what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. She will come in and say to me, why the fuck are you doing some shit like that? Don't you know who you are? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So when you, when you are isolated and you have no one, as in the case with him, with Winston, whatever happened to his parents was so traumatic, he's blocked that shit out, and it only comes back to him in dreams. Mm. Bits and pieces of it. That's deep, because, I mean, that's, that's what's happened in the day, Fireline. They didn't erase the parents out the picture, and they blame it on AIDS and shit like that, diseases and dying young, but they're actually taking the parents out of these children's lives, and they can't remember shit. I just heard a lady pull up in the parking lot. She said some young boys was at her house, so she stopped, like, goddamn, 10 little boys that looked like they was up at her house, and she was like, where y'all stay at? Where y'all mom at? I ain't hear nothing. Now motherfuckers say I stay right there with my mom up there. He said, like, they ain't even got fucking parents. And, and, Sabarone, they have no connection. What's your mama name? What's your daddy name? I just be wanting to know if they fucking know. 
Do yeah, you, do you know your mom and daddy's name? Do you know what you say? If you ask that right here, I bet you they'll say, I don't know my daddy. But let me tell you something, Fireline. If that was what you said a few minutes ago, it took me back to, and I hate to keep bringing this part up in my life because this shit hurts like fuck. When they took Keita's children, Keita was the co-host of my show back in the days. And uh, when they took her babies, and we ain't seen them in months, 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 months. So it had to have been almost over a year. And her babies were three years old. They were taken from from pre-K, okay? And um, when we finally saw them, because she had to go to court a year later, do you understand? They didn't remember they, her. They didn't know who the fuck we was. That's right. They didn't, they didn't even know who she was. Uh-huh. Mm. I, I, I remember that. her I little daughter, that. her her daughter, my baby, and I spent all days and nights with her, with the little girl, because she would come, you know what I'm saying, and she would stay with my daughters. And I just remember that they were trying to push the children away so they wouldn't even try to rejog their memory of who I was. But I remember the little girl, she was she had to have been four now, four, four and a half, five now. I remember she turned and looked at me as if she was trying to say, Damn, you look familiar. Like she had that that look. Like, damn, I know you from somewhere. And it just yeah, her, it just her subconscious. Uh-huh. In her subconscious, she was she was trying to pull that memory forward. Yeah. And them them white people know that shit. And I what they I... will do is they will immediately snatch those kids. I've seen I've seen them I do know. it, dog. That's what they did. Yeah, because she stopped and turned around and had that look like, damn, I know you from somewhere. Come on, come on, hurry, hurry, get it back so I can say her name and yell out and run towards. But, girl, they snatched her up. And I never seen her again after that. That's because they're taking these children very young. The the younger they can take them, the better they can erase you. Yes. Yes. Absolutely. Erase her. Yeah. And then as soon as they get them where they're going... They don't talk about the parents. They turn on Elmore or some shit and eat candy and ice cream and go to McDonald's and put some more images in there to erase even the thought of the last fucking meeting. Yep. Y'all ready? Yeah. Yeah. Go ahead, dog. I'm going to start back at the party at the top on 44. <clears throat> the party said that Oshina had never been in alliance with Eurasia. He, Winston Smith, knew that Oshina had been in alliance with Eurasia as short as time as four years ago. But where did that knowledge exist? Only in his own consciousness, which in any case must soon be annihilated. And if all others accepted the lie, this is it, J1, and if all others accepted the lie which the party imposed, if all records told the same tale, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Who controls the past? Ran the party slogan. You get it, Babylon? Ain't that the truth? The lie? That's true. They imposed the lie. If all records told the same lie, then the lie passed into history and became truth. Can I give an example down right quick, slavery? I mean, you know I was going there. <laughs> <laughs> and a few other fucking lies that are fucking made in history as if it's the fucking truth. Yeah, Columbus. Absolutely. Them, them lies that have been past tense, and they kept telling it and raised the truth 
and put the lie out in a book. And now uh, writing books, you have to bury the truth. And that is the same. He who conquer, he who writes history, is the conqueror. So whoever conquers, is the person who writes the the history. That's right. I seen the motherfucking. They say who? What's it saying? He who holds the pen controls the world. That's that's another way of yeah. putting it. Yeah. Because re, and that that means a reformer. Because a reformer is one who writes. And they are always the ones who start to control what a person thinks and all that other type of shit. It's incredible. Yeah, that was the same thing in Egypt, though. They got their party race, Akhenaten-ass. I mean, if it was a fellow that the person coming up who came in the rulership didn't like, he basically scratched their name off of everything he fucking saw, just like they did had Shepset, the female ruler of ancient Egypt. Yeah, they took his all his images off. They they yeah. etched his his pictures off. <laughs> they ain't like that nigga. That mm-hmm. shit was basically not not only was it was it to erase him mentally, but it also was to create a spell. Mhm. Yeah. Yeah. The spell of forgetfulness. That's right, Don. Yeah, forget about it. Forget about your past. Okay, who controls the past? Ran the party slogan. Controls the future. Who controls the past? Controls the future. Who controls the present? Controls the past. And yet the past, though of its nature, alterable, never had, no. Yep, 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 yep. And yet the past though of its nature alterable, never had been altered. Whatever was true, whatever was true now was true from everlasting to everlasting. It was quite simple. All that was needed was an unending series of victories over your own memory. Reality control, they called it. In new speak, double think, reality control. Now, that's some deep shit. Yeah. That's a new word in my life now. Reality control. Damn. They called it a new speak and double think. Stand easy. Bark the instructress. A little more genitally. <laughs> Is that the word? Genital? Is Genial. that Genial. Genially. Thank you. I was about to say, she's talking about dickly? Pussily? <laughs> Stand easy. Bark the instructress. A little more genially. Winston sank his arms to his sides and slowly refilled his lungs with air. His mind slid away into the labyrinth, to the labyrinthine, to the labyrinthine world of double think, to know and not to know, to be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies. Woo! Wait, to know and to not to know, to be conscious of complete thoughtfulness while telling carefully constructed lies, to hold simultaneously two opinions which canceled out, knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them, to use logic against logic, to repudiate morality while laying claim to it, to believe that democracy was impossible and that the party was the guardian of democracy, 
to forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then to draw it back into memory again at the moment when it was needed, and then promptly to forget it again. And above all, to apply the same process to the process itself. That was the ultimate subtlety, subtlety, consciously to induce unconsciousness and then, once again, to become unconscious of the act of hypnosis <laughs> you had just performed. <laughs> God. I love it. This is strong, yo. My oh, control. my God. The Even to understand this is strong. This is some strong shit. You like I that? For my <laughs> I fucking like that shit. Can I rewind, Fireliners? That's some schizophrenic shit. That's some, right cr- there. That's some deep fucking shit. That was that's a, um, that was the description of that sir hand sir hand shit right there. Yeah, absolutely. Can I read it back? Can I rewind that little part? Well, Winston sank his arms to his side and slowly refined his out. Can I do that part all over, please? His mind slid away. Can I go? Yeah, to go know ahead. and not to know. To be conscious of complete truthfulness while telling carefully constructed lies. That's some Obama-type shit. To hold simultaneously two opinions which canceled out. Knowing them to be contradictory and believing in both of them, to use logic against logic, to repudiate more that morality while laying claim to it, to believe that democracy was impossible and that the party was the guardian of democracy, to forget whatever it was necessary to forget, then draw it back into memory again at the moment when it was needed, and then promptly to forget it again. And above all, to apply the same process to the process itself. That was the ultimate subtlety. We get noise in the background. Okay. We got noise? You, be, you okay, Babylon? Subtlety. I mean, I'm straight. My ain't okay. doing nothing different. All right, there must be someone else. But that was the ultimate subtlety, consciously to induce unconsciousness and then, once again, to become unconscious of the fact of hypnosis you had just performed. Even to understand the word double-think involved the use of double-think. The instructress had called them to attention again. And now, let's see which one of us can touch our toes she said enthusiastically, right over from the hips. Please, comrades, one, two, one, two. Winston loathed this exercise, which sent shooting pains all the way from his heels to his buttocks and often ended by bringing on another coughing fit. The half-present quality went out of his meditations. The past, he reflected, had not merely been altered, it had been actually destroyed. For how come you establish even the most obvious fact when there existed no record outside your own memory? Mm. He tried to remember in what year he had first heard mention of Big Brother. He thought it must have been at some time in the 60s, but it was impossible to be certain. In the party histories, Of course, Big Brother figured as the leader and guardian of the revolution since his very earliest days. 
His exploits had been gradually pushed backwards in time until already they extended into the fabulous world of the 40s and the 30s when the capitalists in their strange cylindrical hats still rolled through the streets of London in great gleaming motor cars or horse carriages with glass rides, with glass sides. There was, not, there was no knowing how much of this legend was true and how much invented. Winston could not even remember at what date the party itself had come into existence. He did not believe he had ever heard the word INSOC before 1960, but it was possible that in its own speak form, English socialism, that is to say, it had been current earlier. Everything melted into mist. Sometimes, indeed, you could put your finger on a definite lie. It was not true, for an example, as was claimed in the party history books that the party had invented aeroplanes. He remembered aeroplanes since his earliest childhood. But could you prove nothing? There was never any evidence. Just once in his whole life he had held in his hands unmistakably documentary proof of the falsification of an historical fact. And on that occasion, Smith, screamed the shrewish, shrewish, shrewish voice from the screen, 6079 Smith W. Yes, you, Ben Lower, please. You can do better than that. You're not trying. Lower, please. That's better, comrade. Now stand at ease. The whole squad and watch me. And suddenly, ah. hot sweat. <laughs> this bitch can see these niggas in their house. She can yes. see them. Absolutely. <laughs> and suddenly, a hot sweat had broken over all, had broken out all over Winston's body. His face remained completely inscrutable. Never show dismay. Never show resentment. A single flicker of the eyes could give you away. He stood watching while the instructress raised her arms above her head and one could not say gracefully, but with remarkable neatness and efficiency, bent over and tucked the first joint of her fingers under her toes. There, comrades, that's how I want to see you doing it. Watch me again. I'm 39, and I have four children. Now look, she bent over again. You see, my knees aren't bent. You can, all, you can all do it if you want to, she added as she straightened herself up. Anyone under 45 is perfectly capable of touching his toes. We don't have all the privilege of fighting in the front line, but at least we can all keep fit. Remember our boys on the Malabar front and the sailors in the floating fortresses. Just think what they have to put up with. Now try again. That's better, comrade. That's much better, she added encouragingly as Winston, with a violent <laughs> lunge, succeeded in touching his toes with knees unbent for the first time in several years. The end of Chapter 3. Shall we continue? Let me yep. just say this before we go any further. George Washington and the Founding Fathers. 
I just had to say that because that is so apropos after that explanation mm-hmm. that you have to say to yourself, and I've said this to you many times, the the manufacturing of history that, of course, mm-hmm. we have no proof that yep. these people ever, in fact, did exist. That's right. I do know Franklin Roosevelt was alive because I had members of my family who knew who 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 were alive while he was alive. I do know that Truman was alive. I do know that Eisenhower was right. alive. And right. I personally remember J- John F. Kennedy and forward from there. But what we nobody about, knows if George Washington ever existed. That's exactly right. I know. None of them. None of them. There's None no of those proof. People. Exactly. Deep, ain't it? It could have manufactured some shit that was put together, and all of this stuff could be based on the big lie. It is. That, that, that is the term from, mm-hmm. from Nazi Germany, the big lie. If you say it long enough mm. and loud enough. Mm-hmm. And start printing it in papers. Yep. Mm. Chapter 4. With the deep unconscious sigh, which not even the nearness of the telescreen could prevent him from uttering, when his day's work started, Winston pulled the speak right towards him, blew the dust from his mouthpiece, and put on his spectacles. Then he unrolled and clipped together four small cylinders of paper, which had already flopped out of the pneumatic tube on the right-hand side of his desk. In the walls of the cubicle, there were three orifices. To the right of the right of the speak right, a small pneumatic tube for writing note for written messages. To the left, a larger one for newspapers. And in the side wall, within easy reach of Winston's arm, a large oblong slit protected by a wire grating. This last was. This last was for the disposal of waste paper. <clears throat> Similar slits existed in thousands or tens of thousands throughout the building, not only in every room, but at short intervals in every corridor. For some reason, there were nicknamed memory holes. When one knew that any document was due for destruction, or even when one saw a scrap of waste paper lying about, It was an automatic action to lift the flap of the nearest memory hole and drop it in, whereupon it would be whirled away on a current of warm air to the enormous furnace, which were hidden somewhere in the recesses of the building. Winston examined the four slips of paper, which he had unrolled. Each contained a message for only one or two lines. In the abbreviated jargon, not actually newspeak, but constant, but consisting larger, largely of newspeak words, which was used in the ministry for inter, internal purposes. They read, Time, 17.3.84 BB, speech, mal reported, Africa, rectify. Times, 19.22.83, forecast, 3, YP, fourth quarter, 83 misprints, verify, current issue. 
Times, 14.2.84, Mini Plenty, Mal Quoted, Chocolate Rectify, Times, 3.12.83, Reporting, BB, Day Order, Double double Plus Ungood, Refs, Unpersons, Rewrite, Full Wise, Up Sub, Answer Filling. With a faint feeling of satisfaction, Winston laid the fourth message aside. It was an intricate and responsible job and had better be dealt with last. The other three were routine matters, though the second one would probably mean some tedious waiting through lists of figures. Winston dialed back numbers on the the telescreen and called for the appropriate issues of the times, which slid out of the pneumatic tube after only a few minutes delay. The message he had received referred to articles or news items, which for one reason or another it was thought necessary to alter or, as the official phrase had it, to rectify. For example, It appeared from the Times of the 17th of March that Big Brother, in his speech of the previous day, had predicted that the South Indian Front would remain quiet, but the Eurasian offensive would shortly be launched in North Africa. As it happened, the Eurasian Higher Command had launched its offensive in South India and left North Africa alone. It was therefore necessary to rewrite a paragraph of Big Brother's speech in such a way as to make him predict the thing that had actually happened. Or again, the Times of the 19th of December had published the official forecast of the output of various classes of consumption goods in the fourth quarter of 1983, which was also the sixth quarter of the ninth three-year plan. This is some interesting shit, so it's like some... um, Repeated shit over and over again, ain't it? Today's issue contained a statement of the actual output from which it appeared that the forecasts were in every instance grossly wrong. Winston's job was to rectify the original figures by making them agree with the later ones. As for the third message, it referred to a very simple error which could be set straight in a couple of minutes. As short, a time ago as February, the Minister of Plenty had issued a promise, a categorical pledge were the official words that there would be no reduction of the chocolate ration during 1984. Actually, as Winston was aware, the chocolate ration was to be reduced from 30 grams to 20 at the end of the present week. All that was needed was to substitute for the original promise a warning that it would probably be necessary to reduce the ration at some time in April. As soon okay, as stop, I stop get this done. shit. Stop okay, done. I'm glad you're going to build on it. Okay, now, if you go back up to these, um, on page 49, these four, one, two, three, four, these four, uh, blurbs that he has here is new speak shortened abbreviated words for what he's describing in this paragraph that he has to go back and change the wording in the newspaper mm-hmm. so his designation here for uh, these what you what you saw as translates to 
the 17th of March. Right. Okay, in yeah. 1984. So that, and then what he has to rectify them to, BB is Big Brother, Big Brother speech, malreported Africa. So he has to go back and change what they had put in the paper to mm-hmm. what it is today. Anybody in the future read it. comes back and mm-hmm. reads it, it will be the corrected terminology. Yep. Mm. Babylon, give me a mic check, sugar pie. I'm on deck, Don. Okay. Okay, go ahead, Don. Okay. Yep. As soon as Winston had dealt with each of the messages, he clipped his speak-written corrections to the appropriate copy of the Times and pushed them into the pneumatic tube. Then, with the movement, which was as nearly as possible unconscious, he crumbled up the original message and any notes that he himself had made and dropped them into the memory hole to be devoured by the flames. Wow. Unconscious. Possible unconsciousness. The memory hole, the memory hole is the furnace. <laughs> yep. is the, the goddamn fireplace. Yeah. <laughs> to be devoured by flames so he won't even fucking really know the truth. Unconsciously, what did it say? Possibly unconscious, so used to throwing shit down there. <clears throat> what happened in the unseen labyrinth to which the pneumatic tubes led? He did not know in detail, but he did know in general terms. As soon as all the corrections which happened to be necessary in any particular number of the times had been assembled and collated, that number would be reprinted, the original copy destroyed, and the corrected copy placed on the files in its stead. This process of continuous alteration was applied not only to newspapers, but to books, periodicals, pamphlets, posters, leaflets, films, soundtracks, cartoons, photographs, to every kind of literature or documentation which might conceivably hold any political or ideological significance. Day by day and almost minute by minute, the past was brought up to date. In this way, every prediction made by the party could be shown by documentary evidence to have been corrected. Nor was any item of news or any expression of opinion which conflicted with the needs of the, move, of the moment ever allowed to remain on record. All history was a apolipset. Was a, was a Is that it? Polypsis, polypsis, come on, y'all smart people. Is that the word? Okay, fine. Scrape um, clean, huh? What's the word, Babylon? Oh, I ain't see it yet, Don. I'm getting where you at. What page you on, Don? Fifty. I have no idea what that Correctly. word is. Whatever you want. Polymp, polymp, polypsis, polypsis. Yeah, polypsis. Okay, just go down to all history was a polypsis scrape clean and reinscribed exactly as often was necessary. In no case would it have been possible. Once the deed was done to prove that any falsification had taken place, the largest section of the records department, far larger than the one on which Winston worked, consisted simply of persons whose duty it was to track down and collect all copies of books, newspapers, and other documents which had been superseded and were due for destruction. A number of the times which might 
because of changes in political alignment or mistaken prophecies uttered by Big Brother. We're at the bottom now. We're on page 52 now, I think. Okay, Babylon, the top of page 52. Okay, Okay, or mistakenly uttered by Big Brother, have been rewritten a dozen times, still stood on the files bearing its original date, and no other copy existed to contradict it. Wow. Books also were recalled and rewritten again and again. Don't that sound like what they're doing to the Bible and the Quran and all that shit? Yeah. (laughs) Because all the contradictions that was in that bitch. I got something to tell y'all, too. I'll probably, probably tell y'all that shit tomorrow. Y'all remind me Babylon about tomorrow in the Bible contradiction what the fuck we just read. Books mm-hmm. also were recalled and rewritten again and again and were invariably reissued without any admission that any alteration had been made. Even mm-hmm. the written instructions which Winston received and which he invariably got rid of as soon as he had dealt with them, never stated or implied that that an act of forgery was to be committed. Always the reference was the slips, errors, misprints, or misquotations, which which it was necessary to put right in the interest of accuracy. But actually... He thought as he, he he thought as he readjusted the ministry of plenty's figures, it was not even forgery. It was merely the substitution of one piece of nonsense for another. <laughs> <laughs> Most of the material that you were dealing with had no connection. <clears throat> With anything in the real world, most of the material that you were dealing with had no connection with anything in the real world, not even the kind of connection that is contained in a direct lie. Statistics were just as much a fantasy in their original version as in their rectified version. A great deal of the time you were expected to make them up out of your head, for an example, the Ministry of Plenty's forecast had estimated the output of boots for the quarter at 145 million pairs. The actual output was given at 62 million. Winston, however, in rewriting the forecast, marked the figure down to 57 million so as to allow for the usual claim that the quota had been overfulfilled. In any case, 62 millions was no nearer the truth than 57 millions or than 145 millions. Very likely, no boots had been produced at all. Damn. <laughs> That's your government like a motherfucker. That's why I always said I don't even think the government budget when they be posting that shit is true. Yeah. And the statistics right. still alive to this day. Yes. Likelier, still nobody knew how many had been produced, much less cared. Now, that's true, too, even going on right now. All one knew was that every quarter, astronomical numbers of boots were produced on paper, while perhaps half the population of Oshina went barefoot. (laughs) And so it was with every class of recorded fact, great or small, Everything faded away into a shadow world in which, finally, even the date of the year had become uncertain. Sound like you, Babylon? Yeah, I agree. Because nobody really knows what the fuck year it is. Or the nope. Day. Yeah. Nope. This, this is bullshit. 
It ain't real. Absolutely, darling. Because yeah. the other day, I know it was Friday. It was, it was. I think it was, what's the day, Wednesday? It was yesterday. Yesterday was Friday, motherfucker. Don't tell me it was goddamn Tuesday. It was fucking Friday. Winston glanced across the hall, and I go shopping on Saturdays. Thus, I went shopping on Saturday, which is today. <laughs> okay, sorry. Winston glanced across the hall in the corresponding cubicle on the other side, a small, precise-looking, dark-chinned man named Tillotson. Tillotson, sorry. Tillotson. Okay. Okay, small, little, precise-looking man named Tillerson was working steadily away with a folded newspaper on his knee and his mouth very close to the mouthpiece of the speak right. He had the air of trying to keep what he was saying a secret between himself and the telescreen. He looked up, and his spectacles darted a hostile flash in Winston's direction. Winston hardly knew Tillerson and had no idea what work he he was employed on. People in the records department did not readily talk about their jobs. In the long widowless, windowless hall, with its double row of cubicles and its endless rustle of papers and hum of voices murmuring into speak rights, there were quite a dozen people whom Winston did not even know by name. Though he daily saw them hurrying to and fro in the corridors or <clears throat> just uh, what's that? Gest- gesti- gesticulating in the two minutes hate. He knew that in the cubicle next to him, the little woman with sandy hair toiled day in, day out, simply at tracking down and deleting from the press the names of people who had been vaporized and were therefore considered never to have existed. There was a certain fitness in this since her own husband had been vaporized a couple of years earlier. A few <laughs> cubicle Yeah, that's deep, ain't it? This, then this is her job. This is what fuck she do. She had to vaporize her own husband. A few cubicles away, a mild, ineffectual, dreamy creature named Ampleforth with very hairy ears and a surprising talent for juggling with rhymes and met, met what's the fucking word, met, meters, with rhymes and meters, was engaged in producing garbled versions, definitive texts, they were called, of poems, poems, which had become ideologically offensive, but which for one reason or another were to be retained in the anthologies, yeah, in anthologies. And this hall, with its 50 workers or, the, or thereabouts, was only one subsection, a single cell, as it were, in the huge complexity of the records department. Beyond, above, below were other swarms of workers engaged in an unimaginable multitude of jobs. There were the huge printing shops with their sub-editors, their typograph experts, and their elaborately equipped studios for the faking of photographs, Photoshop. Photoshop, Photoshop. (laughs) (laughs) There was the teleprograms section with its engineers, its producers, and its team of actors specially chosen for their skill in imitating voices. 
there were the armies of reference clerks whose job was simply to draw up lists of books and periodicals which were due for recall. There were the vast repositories where the corrected documents were stored and the hidden furnaces where the original copies were destroyed. And somewhere or other, quite anonymous, there were the directing brains who coordinated the whole effort and laid down the lines of policy which made it necessary that this fragment of the past should be preserved, that one falsified and the other rubbed out of existence. And the records department, after all, was itself only a single branch of the Ministry of Truth whose primary job was not to reconstruct the past but to supply the citizens of Oceana with newspapers, films, textbooks, telescreen programs, plays, novels, with every conceivable kind of information, instructions, or entertainment from a statute to a slogan, from a lyric poem to a biological treatise, and from a child's spelling book to a newspeak dictionary. And the ministry had not only to supply the, mal the, the multifarious needs of the party, but also to repeat the whole operation at a lower level for the benefit of the proletariat. Yeah, that word. Proletariat. 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 That's proletariat. Thank you. Proletariat. Proletariat. Common people for the benefit of the common people. So in this one big goddamn building, they controlled all that shit. Books, entertainment, every fucking thing you think of. Children's spelling books, all that shit. Straight mind the fucking them. The media. Woo. There was a whole chain of separate departments and entertainment generally. Here where here were produced rubbishy newspapers containing almost nothing except sport, crime, and astrology, <laughs> sensational five-cent novelists, films oozing with sex, and sentimental songs which were composed entirely by mechanical means on a special kind of kaleidoscope known as a veris factor. Veris, what's the word? Because it's, it's abbreviated. What is it? Is it verificator? Yeah, verificator. Yeah. There was even a whole subsection, porno sec, it was called in Newspeak, engaged in producing the lowest kind of pornography, which was sent out in sealed packets, and which no party member, other than those who worked on it, were permitted to look at it. So this keeps the crime going, right? Because, <laughs> mind you, you can't be doing that shit. Nigga, you, go, you go to jail for, uh, what that shit called? Bad sex you or some shit? You ain't supposed to have sex now. That's against that's against the rules. Yeah, what is it so, called? What's the law? What's the bag with a person that has sex and, and enjoys it, too? What's that shit called? Sex crime. Sex crime. Sex crime. Yeah, good sex and then there's sex crimes, right? And yep. good sex is only when a man can have sex with his woman, but she can't enjoy it because if she fuck around and enjoy it, she's going to jail. Then that's a sex crime. That's good a sex, sex crime. is having sex with your wife to produce children. Anything other than that, and she can't enjoy that sex. <sighs> only a man. Uh, 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 and then wipes the spit from her mouth and get up. Anyway, three, <laughs> three 
Three messages had slid out of the pneumatic tube while Winston was working, but they were simple matters, and he had disposed of them before the 20 minutes hate. And, and, and I'm sorry, and he had dis- disposed of them before the 20 minutes hate interrupted him. When the hate was over, two minutes. Two oh, minutes did I hate. say 20 minutes? I'm sorry. I am trying to add more minutes to the hate. <laughs> Two minutes hate interrupted him. Thank you for our lines. When the hate was over, he returned to his cubicle, took the Newspeak Dictionary from the shelf, pushed the speak right to one side, cleaned his spectacles, and settled down to his main job of the morning. Winston's greatest pleasure in life was in his work. Most of it was tedious routine, but included in it, there were also jobs so difficult and intricate that you could lose yourself in them as in the depths of, of a mathematical problem, delicate pieces of forgery in which you had nothing to guide you except your knowledge of the principles of NSOC and your estimate of what the party wanted you to say. Winston was good at this kind of thing. On occasion, he had even been entrusted with the rectification of the Times leading articles, which were written entirely in Newspeak. He unrolled the message that he had set aside earlier. It ran, Times, 3.12.83, reporting BB, day order, double plus ungood, rest, unpersons, rewrite, full wise, upsub, antifilling. In old speak or standard English, this might be rendered. The reporting of Big Brother's order for the day in the Times of December 3, 1983, is extremely unsatisfactory and makes references to non-existing persons. Rewrite in full and submit your draft to higher authority before fouling. <laughs> Winston read through the offending article. Big Brother's order for the day, it seemed, had been chiefly devoted to praising the work of an organization known as FFCC, which supplied cigarettes and other comforts to the sailors in the floating fortresses. A certain comrade, Withers, a prominent member of the inner party, had been singled out for a special mention and awarded a decoration the order of conspicuous merit, second class. Three months later, FFCC had suddenly been dissolved with no reasons given. One could assume that Withers and his associates were now in disgrace, but there had been no report of the matter in the press or on the telescreen. That was to be expected, since it was unusual for political offenders to be put on trial or even publicly denounced. The great purges involving thousands of people with public trials of traitors and thought criminals who made abject confessions of their crimes and were afterwards executed were special showpieces not occurring oftener than once in a couple of years. More commonly, people who had incurred the displeasure of the party simply disappeared and were never heard again, heard of again. One never had the smallest clue as to what had happened to them. In some cases, they might not even be dead. Perhaps 30 people personally known to Winston, not counting his parents, had disappeared at one time or another. Winston stroked his nose gently with the paper clip. In the cubicle across the way, Comrade Tillerson was still crouching secretly over his speak right. 
he raised his head for a moment. Again, the hostile, hostile spectacle flash. Winston wondered whether Comrade Tillerson was engaged on the same job as himself. It was perfectly possible. So tricky a piece of work would never be entrusted to a single person. On the other hand, to turn it over to a committee would be to admit openly that an act of fabrication was taking place. Very likely, as many as a dozen people were now working away on rival versions of what Big Brother had actually said. And presently, same master brain in the inner party would select this version or that, would re-edit it and set it in motion. The complex process of cross-referencing that would be required. And then the chosen lie would pass into the permanent records and become truth. This is some fucking shit here. This is some shit here. So it's now they create references, and so they so make the references real, and then they cross-references, which is all fucking all staged by them, so that the permanent records can become truth. The chosen lie will pass into the permanent records and become truth. This is the absolute fucking truth. This is oh beautiful, God. ain't it? It's mm-hmm. beautiful. And, and, and these people are just wiped out of memory. Good, googly muggers. The ones that know. Wow. Winston did not know why Withers had been disgraced. Perhaps it was for corruption or incompetence. Perhaps Big Brother was merely getting rid of the too popular subordinate. Perhaps Withers or someone close to him had been suspected of heretical tendencies. Or perhaps what was likeliness, what, what was likeliest, of all, the thing had simply happened because purges and vaporizations were a necessary part of the mechanics of government. The only real clue lay in the words "ref unpersons," which indicated that Withers was already dead. You could not invariably assume this to be the case when people were arrested. Sometimes they were released and allowed to remain at liberty for as much as a year or two years before being executed. Very occasionally, some persons whom you had believed dead long since would make a ghostly reappearance at some public trial where he would implicate hundreds of others by his testimony before vanishing this time forever. Withers, however, was already an unperson. He did not exist. He had never existed. Winston decided that it would not be enough simple it would not be enough simply to reverse the tendency of Big Brother's speech. It was better to make it deal with something totally unconnected with this original subject. He might turn the speech. This is like some of the White House correspondents as motherfuckers, ain't it? Yeah, this is this this is like that that black bag shit going on here. Yeah, yeah, hell yeah. He might turn the speech into the usual denunciation of traitors and thought criminals, but that was a little too obvious. While while to invent a victory at the front or some triumph over production in the ninth three-year plan might complicate the records too much. What was needed was a piece of pure fantasy, pure fantasy, Fireliners. Suddenly there sprang into his mind. Ready-made, as it were, the image of a certain comrade, Ogilvy, who had recently Ogilvy. died in battle. Huh? 
Ogilvy. My bad. Ogilvy. Thank you. Oh, I said Ogilvy. <laughs> Ogilvy, who had recently died in battle in heroic circumstances. There were occasions when Big Brother devoted his order for the day to commemorating some humble rank-and-file party member whose life and death he held up as an example worthy to be followed. Today, he should commemorate Comrade Ogilvy. It was true that there was no such person as Comrade Ogilvy. I knew it. But a few lines of print and a couple of fake-ass photographs will soon bring him into existence. <laughs> oh, my God. Son, everybody needs to read this. This shit needs to be in everybody's house. <laughs> that's who I thought about, NEX. That's what I thought about. That's what I said. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Winston thought for a moment, then pulled the speak right towards him and began dictating in Big Brother's familiar style, a style at once military and pandemic. And because of a trick of asking questions and then promptly answering them, what lesson do we need to learn from this fact, comrades? The lesson, which is also one of the fundamental principles of insult, that, et cetera, et cetera. Easy to imitate. At the age of three, Comrade Ogilvy had refused all toys except a drum, a submachine gun, and a model helicopter. At six, a year early, by a special rela- relaxation of the rules, he had joined the spies. At nine, he had been a troop leader. At 11, he had denounced his uncle to the thought police after overhearing a conversation which appeared to him to have criminal tendencies. At 17, he had been a district organizer of the Junior Anti-Sex League. At 19, he had designed a hand grenade which had been adopted by the Minister of Peace and which, at his first trial, had killed 31 Eurasian prisoners in one burst. At 23, he had perished in action, pursued by enemy jet planes while flying over the Indian Ocean with important dispatches. He had had weighted his body with his machine gun and leaped out of the helicopter into deep water, dispatches and all, an end, said Big Brother, which it was impossible to contemplate without feelings of envy. Big Brother added a few remarks on the purity and single-mindedness of Comrade Ogilvy's life. He was a total abstainer and a non-smoker and had no recreations except the daily hour in the gymnasium and had taken, oh, this nigga's Jesus, and had taken a vow of celibacy, believing marriage and the care of a family to be incompatible with a 24-hour day devotion to duty. He had no subjects of conversation except the principle of Ensoc, and no aim in life except the defeat of the Eurasian army enemy and the hunting down of the spies, saboteurs, thought criminals, and traitors generally. Winston debated with himself whether to award Comrade Ogilvy order of conspicuous merit. In the end, he decided against it because of the unnecessary cross-referencing that it would entail. <laughs> That's smart. Once again. Too much work. Too much work. <laughs> once again, because once you got to lie, you got to fucking work on making it come true. Once he glanced at his rival in, his, in the opposite cubicle, something seemed to tell him with certainty that Tillerson was busy on the same job as himself. 
there was no way of knowing whose job would finally be adopted, but he felt a profound conviction that it would be his own. Comrade Ogilvie, unimagined an hour ago, was now a fact. It struck him as curious that you could create dead men by not living ones. Mm. Comrade Ogilvie, who had never existed in the present, now existed in the past. Hello, and when once the act of forgery was forgotten, he would exist just as an authentic, just as authentically and upon the same evidence as Charlemagne or Julius Caesar. Ah, the end of chapter ah, four. God damn it, fake as fuck. Oh my lord, yeah. this is the shit. I can't wait. The next week, we got two minutes remaining. Firelight, let's take us out of here. That is. The shit right there. Charlemagne <laughs> or Julius Caesar. Woo! And fucking incredible. <laughs> Babylon, are you still here? Did you fall off my line? Oh, he must have fell off again. Well, well I hope he holds it. Yeah, because this one here was hot. Chapter 4 was the shit. Okay, all this shit, chapter one through four was good. I can't wait the next week for our liners. I'll I'm glad you're enjoying it. I hope everybody is getting the crux of this because this is this is thought-provoking, really deep thought-provoking stuff. It is not for entertainment. Absolutely. Do us a favor, too. If y'all really are enjoying it, leave us a message on Georgia Gossip. Dot com. I think we do have a, a post that's entitled uh, 1984, Neff started a thread on it. But if not, just leave us somewhere and just let us know um, if y'all are so far enjoying 1984 on Hot Damn Politics as much as I am. This shit is good. And I hate reading. This shit is good. Oh, but good. you're doing such a good job, Don. You and you know you putting the emphasis on shit and everything. I, I'm very no. I'm saying I hate reading books. I hate reading. Period. You know what I'm saying? But this shit got my attention <laughs> so good. I'm all in it. Like, yo, this is some good shit. Thank you, Fireliners. We got like 20 seconds remaining. We about to get up out of here, man. Y'all have an awarding night. Don't forget to catch Coven Coven tonight in the after part if you need it. And we'll see y'all in the new day. Thank you once again, Fireliners. You always bring the best, honey. I'm so impressed. Peace, y'all. have I'm a very day. happy. Peace. I, we will see you next Wednesday. Peace. Hey, I am Ankh. She finally made it to start the after Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Join us today during the Jeep Celebration event. Right now, get 20% below MSRP for an average of 15178 under MSRP on the purchase of a 2023 Jeep Grand Cherokee Overland 4xe or Summit 4xe. 
Not compatible with lease offers or with any other consumer incentive set of offers. 15,178 average based on 20% below average MSRP from all 2023 Grand Cherokee Overland 4xE and Summit 4xE models and dealer stock. Residency restrictions apply. Take retail delivery from dealer stock by 4-1. Jeep is a registered trademark.